This episode is sponsored by all those great companies who are supporting our ninth anniversary contest giveaway. Those companies include Miniature Market, Ravensburger, Portal Games, Forbidden Games, Plaid Hat Games, Pandasaurus Games, Haba, Borden Dice, Renegade Games, Cosmos, WizKids, and Restoration Games. All right, Vanessa, you ready to jump in here and do the intro? Woohoo! I'm always ready. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the ninth anniversary episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. On this special episode, the guys check out two solo games. Soldiers in Postman's Uniforms, and Lanzareth Ridge. You will also hear about Tony's trip to Hawaii and Marty's trip to Bucky's. You'll also get all the details about entering the biggest giveaway this show has ever done. Seriously, though, I'm ready to go back to Bucky's, y'all. Hello and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 246. Happy anniversary. And I'm Jetlag Tony. And I am Marty. That's right, baby. It's our ninth anniversary. Tony, what did you get me? Uh, it's either you could do the traditional gift. Did you get me pottery or willow? Or did you do the modern gift and get me something made of leather? Made of leather. Okay. All right. I'll give it to you this Saturday when I see you for our special thing that occurred in the past after people listen to this episode. <laughs> that might be a segment of this show later on if everything works okay. That space-time continuum is amazing. It's funny how it works. It just does. But nine years. Nine years, baby. From 2012 to 2021. Wow. Wow. Mm. <laughs> That's it. Just, just wow. Who, who would have thought what started out as just a uh, little podcast nine years ago with growing to, well, actually nothing. It's still just a little podcast about mm. two guys talk about anything. It really hasn't grown at all. <laughs> It's the same little podcast it's always been. I wouldn't have thought that eight years and six months ago. I can tell you that much right now. <laughs> mm -mm. I, we've said the story so yeah, many times. Yeah. Tony said, I give this six months, six months. and we'll done and we'll be moved on to the next thing. That's right. And we're still looking for the next thing, I guess. No, you're doing the next thing. You're, you're, What's the next thing? You're doing the video thing. You're doing all that fun stuff. You're you're doing you're doing the twitching and and all that stuff. I'm still stuck. Uh, in that's the just stuff to do on the side when we're not recording every two weeks. Yeah, I know, but still, that's more initiative than I have. I mean, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're too busy like baking and cooking stuff. You've gotten into the whole uh, uh, baking thing, which, by the way, mm -hmm. the season finale of the Great British Baking Show, which just concluded on Netflix, and they just started up their holiday episodes, which, uh, Tony, you can watch those. Those are only just two individual episodes apiece, and they won't spoil anything. But I did find out that the episodes that we get in the U.S. are the ones that were shown in the U.K. last year, because Kim Joy who's been on our show before, teased on Instagram she was going to be on the holiday episode. Well, it's the holiday episode that premieres this year in the UK, but we don't get to see it till next year. Man, they're doing that space-time continuum thing too. Mm -hmm. Especially when they say they it's a Christmas episode, but they record it in August. Well, think about all the Hallmark movies that are recorded for Christmas. They're done in you know the summer. 
Uh, that's true. Now, I will say that there was a Hallmark movie uh, that was shot in downtown Monroe near me that it was actually in the wintertime for the following year and it had Kristen Chenoweth right. uh, in it. And we got to go meet her and everything. That was kind of cool. But it's really interesting. There's no snow here in Monroe. So they put down the fake snow all over the streets and everything to make it look like it's snowing. But yeah, it's not. We just finished up season eight or nine. God, I can't remember which one we just finished up for the Great British Bake Off. And I think the next one coming out is the one with Kim Joy in it. So I'm excited to ah, see that one. Nice. That is that is a fun one. I love the the people in that one. Now, how are you watching these on a streaming service? Let's go. I've asked you this before. Okay, okay, you're right because you don't you don't have Netflix because I don't know why, but you don't. <laughs> because when we've gone over this before, I still have to pay have cable in my neighborhood because of yeah. the contract. Because we had to get a contract so that we could get off of dial up. And, and I'm not kidding you, it was DSL, six, six megabits a second. So we had to sign another contract. And I just, like you were pointing out the other day, it's funny how all the streaming service, when you start adding them up, they can almost get to my cable bill. I'm pretty picky about the ones that, um, that I use. But Netflix is one of them. Uh, they've, well, I was going to say, they got some good shows. They got some bad shows too, because I just watched Cowboy Bebop live and, uh, whoo. That was not good. But Arcane, the new animated show that's based on League of Legends, which you wouldn't think would be good, which actually a very, very, very good show. Isn't that like a video game? It is 100% based on a video game, which is why I had super low expectations of it. But it actually ended up being like a Game of Thrones-ish mm-hmm. type show with a lot of intrigue and interesting characters and characters that... You think are good, but they're gray. There's a lot of you know gray characters. They had that Game of Thrones, right? Like nobody was really, really good. You mm-hmm. know, they were, everybody had their kind of issues, and the types of character you, you just wouldn't expect that from an animated show. But no. but they had it in here, which was cool. The reason why, thanks for asking, why I'm jet lagged. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's not the show notes that I'm supposed to ask that. No, it's not. And it's I got back from. So I, when you used to travel, a lot, was going. East to west, harder for you, or going west to east on flight? Which was harder for you to readjust to? Hold on. I have to think about this second. So when I go from east to here, if you go east, I'm going, I'm going forward. Mm-hmm. Forward in time. Yeah. Uh, oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, for sure. 100% west to east is easier for me. Okay. Going west to east. So you don't mind gaining time. I'm better nope. going east to west, losing time. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And I, I've, I've, I'm stuttering. I'm at a loss here for the words because that's the way my brain has been. It's been trying to catch up. I'm like, I should have this down to a science. I should know how to do this. I stayed up. I stayed up on the plane so I could go to sleep when I got here, so forth and so on. And I'm still, I'm just like, man, why am I awake at? Two in the freaking morning. Yeah, because I hit you up yesterday, uh, and you got back the day before, and I said you just want to hit record today. You went, nope, I am totally brain dead. Mm-mm. I couldn't, I couldn't do this uh, today. So it's our normal recording schedule, but I didn't know if you just wanted to get a jump on it and, and go ahead and knock it out. We could have, and you could have talked for an hour, and I could have sat here and gone, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm, yeah, mm hmm, absolutely. Well, How is that any different? When I start talking about games and arcade and stuff, you just end up going, mm hmm. Dang it, I could have gained some time. <laughs> but when I got back, I had joyment 
in the house, I got to open up my secret squirrel gifts. Yes. So you missed that. So this was really I cool. I didn't miss it. I was on the video with y'all. You did not miss it. This was so exciting. Uh, it was planned. Uh, ben and some others planned on our Discord channel to get together on a Wednesday night and get in our Discord. Or no, no, it was uh, Julia, very uh, a lovely person. Our Discord channel does a lot of stuff. Uh, she set up a Zoom call for us, mm -hmm. so we could uh, all log into Zoom. And we had a, a lot of people show up that night to to basically open the secret squirrel gifts. And you joined us from the beaches of Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And uh, it looked like you're on dial up because it was like, you know, the frame rates were just really bad. But it was really cool that you, that you uh, got to hang out with us and everybody opened up their gift. Uh, but you didn't have yours with nope. you. And uh, I got a copy of Fort Sumter. Uh, thank you, Willie, who sent me Fort Sumter. I was very excited. It's a GMT game. I thought you and I would love this. It's a two-player mm -hmm. game. plays in 30 minutes. You had also requested Fort Sumter. And the person who got your name, and I can't Chris. remember who had it. It's Chris. Chris said that, you know what? I sent it back and got you something else instead. And I do not know what that is. And I'm very interested to hear what he exchanged Fort Sumter for. Basically, Chris got on Etsy. And instead of a game, he got me accessories for a game. And he, and he yeah, and he thought of my wife, which we've heard in the past shows, she loves Carcassonne, loves it. And so he ordered up three type of accessories for Carcassonne. The first one was the a grid, a nine by nine grid for when you can put the Carcassonne tiles in it so they're not shifting around. So you put it together. So if you think like Catan, where you're putting out that, this way when you're putting mm -hmm. them down, if someone bumps the table or they shift or something, they hold their place. Really cool. The thing that uh, my wife really liked was the little Meepo, Meeple, Meeple, Meeple. Yeah, the Meeple. Not a meeple, but a meeple. No, a merson. Anyway, a meeple counter. So as you're going around the board, you're tracking your score on Carcassonne. And when you pass the 50, you know there's this 50 tile you can lay down. Well, here uh -huh. you put a little Lego base. It says plus 50. So you don't have to worry about that stupid 50 tile. Oh, cool. Yeah, because how many times did Donna lap me? You know, am I on this time? And so that was fun. And then finally, the favorite thing was, of course, coasters with that are having engraved the Carcassonne tiles. Those are, those are really cool. When I got the box, I'm like, what in the world is in this? If this is a game, this box was, you know, like a four by four box. I'm like, this is a game. This is a freaking heavy game. No, they were coasters. Can't wait. Well, I'm not going to use them. I don't want to mess them up. I don't want, I don't want, why would I want to put water on them and, and cause stains and drips and things like that? I don't want to do that. I want them to look pretty and pristine. Okay. I'm going to use them. I'll be honest there. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that's really cool. Then you kind of found something that was uh, a little more personal, uh, made just for you. And what's cool is since I got four Sumter, you still get to play the game yeah. and you got some cool accessories for Corcassonne. So it's right. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, you're joining me. You're coming down fast, man. It's a, <laughs> It's a win-win for both of us from that perspective. So, and you got like Fort Sumter. And then I saw a lot, a lot of people were very generous. Uh, you, the listeners, amazing. All of them. They are yeah. just so amazing. It was so cool in the Discord channel. A lot of people automatically know the likes of a lot of other people. Not you just going by their wish list and stuff. Like I also got like a little stuffed squirrel and a, a disc plate which is a metal plate, and it's this is a very popular uh, product 
that uh, basically they give you magnets. You can you stick the magnets on the wall. You can swap out the plates and stuff. But the plates have video games or anime characters or pop culture stuff. And uh, he sent me a uh, you know the Van Gogh was it in, into the stars? What's what's his Starry Night? Don't cost me five dollars. The Starry Night and Cthulhu's in it, mm. uh, so it looks uh, really cool. So I'm going to get that up on the wall. So in, in future videos, you'll you'll see that up there. So uh, amazing event just to hang out and uh, everything. And we've also got something big planned coming in January. We're gonna we're gonna be doing an online RDTN con that's going to be scheduled to be run on our uh, Discord channel. And Ben, our event coordinator, is working on that right now. If you had messaged him back. Did you message him back yet? <laughs> as, as far as the dates, I have not because uh, uh, I, I, I'm still looking at my calendar and everything and trying to coordinate to make sure that we can promote it correctly so that our first episode back, we can make sure to have enough time to promote it. If we promote it now, people will forget, right? So, I'll forget. Uh, coming, coming back for our first episode, coming back in January, because uh, in tradition, uh, after our anniversary episode, uh, we take an extra week off for the holidays. We just chill. Uh, hopefully you and I get together for a big game day and just hang out and play some games that we've really enjoyed over the years. Some of the heavier games or not heavier games, but longer games we won't necessarily get to play. So we usually take an extra week off and just chill and then come back fresh in January. And then there we'll promote that, um, RDT and con. Yeah. I'm not really sure we need to think through that one because we got the tantrum com at the end of February. So we got, yeah, we got to pace ourselves. Do we don't want well, to this is thing. This is online only, so huh. nobody's going anywhere. So you just attend online. Man, I might have to get a computer that can actually process some stuff. <laughs> well, people have done online conventions in the past. Basically, we'll, we'll create some events where people want to hang out and go to Tabletopia and do some stuff. Uh, we talked about doing some group things, maybe some group code names, etc. Just. Just have a, a time where, if you want, we just hang out during the day and just play games and stuff like that online. All right, before I fade fast, I need some caffeine. Are you ready to get over to some taste buds? Oh, yeah. And in fact, uh, as you heard in our last episode, here's our uh, new bumper for taste buds. Taste, taste buds. Taste buds. Taste buds. Okay, question. Where the heck did you get that? I should put myself out there on Fiverr and start <laughs> making bumpers for people because uh, I spent one Sunday afternoon recording and putting that uh, together. <laughs> I don't know. It just went off the rails. I just kept adding to it over and over and reverb and all this and everything. And then uh, what you just heard is what we got now. <laughs> just, yeah. I'm listening to the know. last episode. And I'm like, is it going to end? <laughs> I did end it a little bit longer than I thought, but hey, you know what? I was I was having fun. Hey, I don't get to be creative a lot, so that was my little creative space. <laughs> and people are like, Marty, that's why you shouldn't be creative no. because of stuff like that. What are we drinking tonight, man? Okay, so full disclosure, I've already had them because I love them, but that's because you haven't, so that's why we're doing it. This is another Pepsi product. Pepsi Zero Sugar, so you should be able to drink it all. And oh, it's mango. Love mango. Oh, man, I love mango. Always have, always will. Vanessa is not a mango fan. What? 
I think that's right. I think it's, is it her or Adam? One of them does not like mango. Mm. Did Vanessa ever do the Mountain Dew ginger snap? Okay. The whole fam- the rest of the family thought it's fine. They didn't have an aversion to it like we did. Okay. I, I know. I didn't get it either. I thought y'all weren't going to like this. And he went, no, oh, that's pretty good. Oh, so, then here, here's, here's another 10 cans. Take them with you back to school, work, whatever. I don't want to see them again. No, I mean, we appreciate the person who sent them to us, but uh, man, when I was in the grocery store, the entire like bottom row was of this ginger snapped Mountain Dew. And I'm just like, I wanted to put up warnings on it, you know, and say, don't, don't do it. Maybe I should stand there like a put on a Harris Teeter, which is our local grocery store um, shirt, and warn people. But all right, so yeah, this is Pepsi Zero Sugar Mango. You ready? I'm ready. All right. That's mango. That's mango. It definitely has the effervescence of a mango. All right. I'm, I'm going to watch, go. watch you here because uh, I've already okay. had it. Ooh, that is more mango than I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be. No, that's good. If I didn't know this is zero sugar, I would stop because I thought this is just full of sugar. That is sweet for a, is it really zero cow? Yeah. That is sweet somehow for a zero cow drink. Oh, yeah, it is. Wow. It really is. I was like, man. Wow. It's got a strong taste of the mango. I'm, it's one of my favorites. That's good. Mm-hmm. That is good. Mm. Okay. So not much to talk about here other than we really enjoyed it. it tastes good. Um Beats the old ginger snapped. We're looking forward to the other flavors. Are these hard to find? They may be now because it's after the summer. Oh, okay, okay. Or ginger snap took all the space up. <laughs> I hope they come out something fresh at the beginning of the year because this may be our last taste bud segment for a while. And I put a lot of effort into that bumper mm-hmm. uh, for this segment. So I, I don't want to, you know, be mothballing that thing for a long for any time. Well, I'm thinking that we can move over to some other drinks as they come out. I mean, we are a board gaming podcast, so sure. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. How far have we gone? Oh, looking at my clock on my recorder. Yeah, we've gone uh, whew, 15 minutes and even mentioned one game. Well, you know yeah. why. And we're not going to anytime soon. We're I don't not. think so, so. We're not. Well, I mean, we're being, we are being, we're providing a public service service, a PSS, because we know a lot of people will listen and exercise until we mention a game. That is how they get their exercise in. And being the holidays, we know there needs to be extra exercise. You just came off of Thanksgiving. You're getting ready to go into Christmas. And therefore, you need that extra energy. You need that extra exercise to help you fight off all those sweets that are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, 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 real quick. Something to mention about the um, flight to Hawaii. All of them. First off, and you got to see this on our, our, our private Slack channel where they upset me by having me sit in an airport for five and a half hours waiting on a flight. But on mm-hmm. the flight back, I haven't told you this. This is... This is great. Nothing about the people working. I mean, the flight attendants, you know, the pilot, everybody, they're doing the best they can, doing their job, doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I think I blame management. I don't blame the workers. I blame management because I am management and I understand this. But so when we're getting ready to leave Hawaii to come back to um, North Carolina, it's not a direct flight, but it is to Dallas. The plane has been there since 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. And we are flying out at 7 p.m. The plane has been sitting on the freaking runway at, at 1 p.m. Okay. They come over to the speaker and said, our flight's been delayed. And we're like, well, there goes that connection. 
if you have a connection in Dallas, we will reroute you while you're in the air. We'll take care of you. I said, well, that's nice. I appreciate, you know, the big mad rush and all that. The reason for the delay, the log book's not right. The log book. That's what they said, man. The log book. Okay. I looked at Don and I said, you know, job's not done until the paperwork's done. <laughs> and I'm like, for a plane, if it is the safety log book, I'm okay with it. <laughs> That's right. But it's been there since 1 freaking p.m. What what were we doing? What what, what was going on here? Why was the paperwork not ready? Uh, and that frustrates me in, in, in actual business and what I do. The paperwork, you got to have it done, people. Or is or what's going on? There's going to be chaos. Dogs and cats will be liking each other and whatever that saying is. What was it? Sleeping together. Sleeping together. Is that what it was? Stripes? Okay. I appreciate it. So Ghostbusters. Was it Ghostbusters? That's not $5. Was that Ghostbusters? I thought it was Stripes. Yeah. No, it's Ghostbusters. See, yeah, you saw the new one, which you liked. I did see the new Ghostbusters, and it was worth seeing. It's good. So, So, yeah, the flight, I'm just like, oh, come on. And then when we get to Dallas, it's like, oh, by the way, there's fog. I'm like, oh, you're killing me. I'm never going to get home. And why is there a line at the airport for Starbucks that goes down half the terminal? It's longer than the line at TSA. Is Starbucks that good? No. Can you explain? Uh, somebody just wanting coffee. I mean, typically when we go get coffee, uh, Starbucks is our last option. We always look for something else besides it. Just because of the line? No. Just because we think there's better, less pricier places to go. So let me ask you this. So you had all this time that you were just not doing anything. You said you didn't have room for your switch. So what did you do during this downtime? Cause that would have been perfect switch time. The iPad was there. So we were, we played a lot of Sagrada on the iPad. Okay. Did that played a lot of potion explosion patchwork. Um, those are the three main games that Don and I play. She'll occasionally crank up quicks, which is fine. Wait a minute. You had room for the iPad, not the switch. Well, the switch is huge compared to an iPad. Huge? When you put the big, uh, what's the satisfy case? Oh, well, take it without the satisfy case. It's not that bad. But then I get cramped hands because of the little. <laughs> I got an excuse for anything. Okay. You want to keep this up? We can keep going. <laughs> is it time to talk like, about a board no, game? Please stop. Please stop is what they're saying. Oh, hey, you know what? Probably a lot of people may be tuning in. I don't know because it's like we tease this contest that we do for our big ninth anniversary our big anniversary episodes and uh this one is no different and in fact uh we've got a lot of amazing publishers uh that's going to be uh sponsoring this episode and giving away games and you heard them at the beginning of the episode tony we're giving away a bunch of games we're giving away uh gift cards to portal and miniature market and the thing is, though, just so you'll know, for the actual physical games, the physical games will need to be sent to people who are on the U.S. That was one of the things that they asked. But for those who are giving away gift cards as prizes, we can give those away to uh, anybody. And, of course, uh, I have got the big box behind me that's going to be one of the prizes where I'm going to take a lot of games that I have that I've been collecting over the years and sometimes... So we'll get extra review copies or extra copies the publishers want us to give away. And I've been collecting those and I'm going to put them in a box and ship them out to some lucky winner. And I think, Tony, that I actually can have two boxes 
that I can do this year and ship two big boxes of games to winners. Okay, well, I get first dibs on those games before you put them in a box. Because <laughs> Just because you don't have room doesn't mean I do. Are you giving away a box? I'm giving away a box of crap. It's exactly what I'm doing. I'm throwing in all the crap <laughs> games that you give me and say, you need to read the rules on this. I'm like, okay, fine. No, these games are... The, what was it I said last year? Oh, yeah. These games are free, people. I don't hear no mess. If a box shows up with free games in it, you should be appreciative. That's the way wow. it is. Sheesh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm jet lagged. I can get grumpy in a heartbeat here. All right. So people may be wondering, how can you enter? Well, one, even though we haven't been uh, really uh, pushing it, there have been people who have been uh, giving us money via pod pledge this past year. As always, if you gave money to us over the past year at Pod Pledge, you're going to get two entries into the contest. You get an entry if you're a member of our Discord channel, which you can find over at our website, Roll Dice Take Names. And you'll get an entry if you're a member of our guild. Uh, can't remember what the number of it is, 1589, I think. Or just search for Rolling Dice and Taking Names over the Board Game Geek Guild, and uh, you'll find it there. And then finally, we're going to have a super short, probably the shortest survey we've ever done, Tony, where we just skate. We just ask for feedback. What's things you like about the show? What's things you like maybe to see change or added or, or modified, etc. Feedback's important to us because, you know, if we get a lot of people saying the same thing, hey, you guys really do this well, then we know that we're on the right track there. Or somebody can say, hey, a lot of people may say, well, I wish you would change this or modify this. Maybe we wanted to go down a different path. So probably I would say the shortest survey we've ever done but if you uh fill that out and i think tony you said that you don't even have to have to answer them if you don't want to that's right they're not going to be required and by the way a suitable answer is replace tony (laughs) 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 oh Oh, man you're just you're you're already looking for your exit strategy here i i see how this is going oh i know my exit strategy my exit strategy is simple i just don't show up on monday night and then you're gonna be like wait a minute he's not here What, what do i do there you go so again y'all we have 12 publishers that are donating games and gift cards just to give away i've got two big boxes of game i'm giving away tony's giving away a box of crap <laughs> i'm sorry i'm giving away a uh, a box of crap so we have a lot of stuff to give out and a big thanks to all of our publishing friends who are donating these games and these gift cards to give to y'all it means a lot and make sure again to go follow them uh, subscribe to their newsletters and stuff because uh without them we wouldn't be able to do this and without us now nah, they'd still succeed they don't need us they don't at need all us. <laughs> just give it to somebody else again discord channel join there if you gave into pod pledge this past year two entries two extra entries there be a member of our guild on uh, board game geek and fill out our survey. So there's multiple ways to uh, enter. And the contest will close on December 28th, y'all. So right after Christmas, and then right after that, during our little break, we'll be picking winners. And what we're going to do is we'll contact you, get your information, and send that off to the publishers. So the publishers are also kind enough to ship the game themselves, and they aren't requiring us to do logistics on our side because we would drop the ball there for sure. Yeah, It's one of those things where the, the kindness is just amazing from the people giving us stuff. I'm really excited about Ravensburger and strike. Whoever gets that, you are the true champion 
of our giveaway. Yeah, I mean, people like, for example, like Borden Dice, they're giving away their latest games, Origins, Tabanusi, which I have. We haven't had a chance to play yet, Tony. It's a tea game, which I know you might be lukewarm on every once in a while, but this has dice. So I'm anxious to see if this is the tea game uh, that gets you excited. Plus, they're giving away Mandala Stones and, and the Book of Rituals. So a bunch of recent games, Cosmos, Anno 1800. From Martin Wallace, and the, and the list goes on and on. A lot of great people giving away a lot of great stuff. Mandela Stones, good game. And, and I also Such say, a good game. Also say here that where you've got um, from Renegade, Subastral. You're going yes. to hear that in the Squirrelies. I'm telling people right now, you're going to hear that one in the Squirrelies. That's a really good one. So you were talking about your travels, Tony. So uh, over the holidays, I went to Mississippi uh, for Thanksgiving. And uh, on the way, we started seeing these signs for in 45 miles, you're going to need to stop at a place called Bucky's. And I went, Bucky's? What, what is Bucky's? Another five miles later, 40 miles. You're only 40 miles away from Bucky's. I went, what the heck is this? So as we're driving along, uh, the boys start Googling. It's like, well, supposedly it's like a really huge like truck stop sort of deal that's really popular and has like beef jerky. And I went, Uh-oh. all right, we, we, we got to check this place out. After billboard, after billboard, after billboard, we finally get there. We pull into Bucky's and it's almost like a Walmart size store. It's not that large, but it is the, one of the largest off an exit gas station stores I have ever seen. And I thought, what the heck is this? And we walk in and it's like, there's clothes. There's this big place where they make uh, handmade or, or fresh barbecue. They have fresh made beef jerky. They got like a wall of drink machines and coffee machines and like a grocery section in the back. Seasonal clothes. Vanessa was like geeking out over the Christmas clothes and everything. And they have... Homemade uh, candied pecans and cashews and everything made right there. Homemade fudge made right there. We were like in heaven. We thought this is the best place ever. Come to find this is a place that started in Texas. So there's a lot of them there and they're starting to move more towards this direction. And it hit me when I was there. It's like, I've heard of this before. There's somebody that I met sometime at BGGCon that said, hey, I'm going to be coming to BGGCon. I know you like beef jerky, so I'm going to stop at Bucky's and get you some. I didn't know what that was at that point, but if you like beef jerky, Tony, Bucky's is a good place for some beef jerky. And they just got like a wall of beef jerky there. Hey, they got like a deli area where they can just cut it fresh for you and just bag it by the pound if you want it. First off, nothing against Mississippi, but I'm not driving there to go to Bucky's. Well, this is Alabama. Okay, in Alabama. But they're mainly in Texas. And what I'm upset about, there was going to be one in North Carolina, somewhere like near Durham or somewhere like that. And they got it and nobody wanted it there and they got upset. So they didn't not going to put it there. So I hope they're supposedly going to put one near possibly Charleston in South Carolina. They can put one near Charlotte. If there was one near Charlotte, I'd be there every day. So get this on the way back. It's like, well, we got to stop at Bucky's again on the way back. Now, the first time we went and stopped at Bucky's, it was 11 p.m. at night. Hardly anybody was there. No problem. Two days after Thanksgiving, Woo. we pulled into, I could not believe it. Number one, I had to get gas. It took me, I mean, they have lines and lines of gas pumps, 
tons of gas pumps. I finally found one that was empty. Everybody else went in. It was shoulder to shoulder packed of people in that store to like, I, it is just way too crowded and we had to leave. Bucky's is a destination place now. Oh, I believe it. You know how, what was it? Was it Stucky's? When you and I were growing up, we'd go up to Stucky's and yeah. when you were traveling and you'd get the pecan roll. All right. So imagine the Stucky's. You remember the con- the, uh, the concept of Stucky's, but imagine like four times as yeah. big yeah, yeah, yeah. and super nice, very clean, super nice people that are working there and everything. Uh, so they have a whole wall. It's almost like a uh, Bass Pro Shop too. Over on the side, you need bait. You need waders. You need something to go fishing with. You know, they have a bunch of hunting and fishing type paraphernalia and camping paraphernalia. Like everything you want's there. I believe you. I mean, this what these are the way things are now. Like, I mean, even Loves, which is near near us now, they're they're kind of big. But what was it? Down south? Is that the name of the one rest stop in North Carolina that you always saw the signs? I can't remember what it was called. Oh, across, uh, across uh, the border? Uh, south of the border. South of the border. Okay. South of the border. It reminded me of south of the border where like, you know, an hour away, they start putting up billboards for it. Mm-hmm. Now, your boys aren't small boys anymore. So y'all all packed in a car. That was a problem. Uh, so <laughs> we had to take turns. <laughs> Of three people in the back seat of the Honda CRV, Vanessa always made sure to stay in the back because she's the smallest of the three, and they would rotate about who got to sit in the passenger seat. <laughs> and somebody who was in the middle had to lean forward. It, it wasn't very comfortable. But here's the deal, man. I sold my pilot. I'm like, most people are out of the house now. I'm not going to buy a large vehicle for the rare occasion. I've got five in there. You guys just have to put up with it when we have to start cram five in for a 10-hour road trip. I mean, I'm surprised you didn't put Brett on the roof. He's the youngest. I'm surprised Adam and Travis <laughs> didn't say, okay, we're going to vote him off the island. Brett, you're in the cargo carrier on the roof. All right, let's talk about food. What's some really cool, unique food you had at Hawaii? And I'll share with some unique food I had over Thanksgiving because of uh, Vanessa's family. Okay, so um, we are not going to talk board games, are we? This is cool. Nope. All right, I'm People are working out. 30 minutes in, people. Keep it going. Hey. Keep, keep that heart rate going. Y'all doing good. Our ninth anniversary episode, it's all about us. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we make the rules. <laughs> so, no, seriously. So... We did a helicopter tour uh, on Maui, and yeah. everything was going good on that. Have you ever flown in a helicopter? You know what? I don't think I've ever been in a helicopter. I've been in a glider, airplane. I don't think I've ever done a helicopter. Okay. So, you know, I was kind of concerned because I'm not the strongest of stomachs, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm a little concerned about this, but when we got in it and we took off in this helicopter... It was, and the people were going, how is this related to food? I will get there. It's the destination, people. It's not the journey. We're, we're suffering through the journey, y'all, but yes. the destination will be worth it. I doubt it. So he took off. It was smooth. Everything was going great. Tilted the nose down like you do, used to do in your whirly copter game that we, or toy you and I used to have. I loved that toy as a kid, man. That was one of the best toys ever. I love that thing. Yeah, I mean, see, I can squirrel on anything. So anyway, you, you took off, you dipped the, the front end down and he took mm-hmm. off and I'm like, oh man, this is smooth, comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying, I will admit we were cheek to cheek and not the cheeks on your face in the back seat. I mean, it was tight, kind of like your boys in the, in the CRV. 
And when mm-hmm. we were taking off, it was kind of warm. I had air on me and everything. And I was doing good. I was really proud. We had a little little rough air as we were flying over there. Um, the volcano was socked in, so we couldn't go fly over the volcano. So we had to go fly over to the waterfalls on Molokai. It was gorgeous scenery. Y'all, really, food's going to be involved in this it, somewhere. It, Y'all just hang on. It will be. I promise. Just stay with me. Put us on two times. Go two times and you'll get there. You might miss it. So Two times speed. Two times speed. Anyway. <laughs> Not listen to us twice. Just double the speed. Yeah. yeah. Trust me. I, I hate even listening to us twice. So, <laughs> so I'm, we're flying out and everything's good. And we get up to this one waterfall, one of the tallest waterfalls uh, in the United States. And he does, he stops, hovers, and then does a spin. So the other side of the copter, I was not expecting that move. I was like, ooh, my stomach's not wanting this, but I kept it in and everything was good. Making the story short now, we land, everything's good. We get in the car. Donna's like, I need a soda now. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm thirsty too, because she, she didn't fare too well. And as you leave the airport, we stop at a Krispy Kreme. Oh, I know. Everybody's like, a Krispy Kreme. Julia on Discord's like, really? You hit a Krispy Kreme in Hawaii. I'm like, yes, we did. And it was kind of sad. But as far as food goes, we had a lot of local food. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Was there any special types of Krispy Kremes there? Um, no, there was not. No special. Oh, I, nothing special for Hawaii. Okay. I, I tried to get a Krispy Kreme Maui shirt, but they were sold out. I was, okay. I was like, okay, well, darn it. That's fine. But we did. We had a lot of local stuff. Had uh, Ponzit. Um, I had Loco Moco, which is basically, you can get it anywhere, but it, God, it was so good. It was just basically a fried egg on a hamburger with uh, mm. gravy poured over the top of it on top of rice. Oh, so much. Sounds good. good. And then there were they, food trucks everywhere. A lot of local mm. food trucks. A lot of good eats there. But that's about it, man. But, you know, the food trucks were the culture, and that's where we hit. Oh, that's cool. No, that's great. So we had uh, Vanessa's family came in from uh, Louisiana. And so on the Friday after Thanksgiving, we had a bunch of Cajun type stuff. So we had crawfish etouffee, mm-hmm. jambalaya, gumbo, and shrimp creole, plus oyster. Do you like oysters on a half shell? No. They put it, they mix the oyster in with the special sauce and put it on a cracker. I could stomach that. Mm-hmm. Vanessa did the whole oyster on half shell. I'm like, uh, I, I'm not a big oyster fan. But my favorite was they had fresh catfish there that they were breading and frying Ooh. in a deep fryer out there. Mm-hmm. And basically, they'd pull the fish out and just throw it on your plate. Oh, so if you like, uh, like seafood, especially Cajun uh, mm-hmm. style seafood, this was all homemade. It was so good. So good. Oh, sounds it. Oh. That sounds like some good eats right there. I wish I could. Uh, shrimp, Creole, jambalaya. Oh, man. So the I've never had the crawfish, though. How, what's that taste like? Chicken? Crawfish etouffee? No, it is. Uh, well, they're, they're in that lobster type group. So it'd be like little tiny lobsters. Okay, because I always find that lobster doesn't taste like anything. No, that's true. So what you're actually tasting is the etouffee mm-hmm. and all the seasonings in it. And then there's chunks of meat in it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, is what yeah, it I is, mean, you know. And, and that's fine when you think about the food and along those lines from that standpoint, because you're sitting there, you know, it, it gives you the, the chew, the, the, the meat, the protein that you need. And I was just kind of wondering if it was very fishy. Well, no, it's not. It's not, not fishy at all. You know, like clam chowder is you taste the chowder and stuff. And then there's these little bits in there, the clam that you really don't taste the clam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's sort of the deal. So anyway, so good. We have some really uh, interest, interesting foods. Now, how long has it been? Is it time to give people yeah, a little bit a of a break? Yeah, they need a break. They need to get some water. They need to take a rest, wipe down the machine. So let's do it. I know you had a blast with the boys playing magic. Okay, yeah. So the boys are super into Magic the Gathering right now, especially Commander or Elder Dragon Highlander. For those who don't know, that is a format where... I don't you know. don't know. I have no You're clue. raising your hand. I have no clue. So you've played regular magic, right? Yes. You kind of know the concept of regular magic. So this is the same rules of magic, except the deck construction is different. You have a hundred cards. Every card must be unique. So 100 different cards. You have a person that's called a commander, which is what's a legendary creature. And it's off to your side and you just start playing magic. And when you have enough mana, you can pull in your commander. He does. He's usually like the special guy that can do... Usually he's themed around, it's themed around, the, the deck is themed around the commander sort of deal. When the commander gets killed, it doesn't go to your discard pile. It just goes off to the side again. You can call him back, but it costs you two extra resources. Everything else plays the exact same way, but it also supports up to four players. So, you know, magic's typically two. So this is a two to four player game. And it is just a wild, wild format of nothing but just casual fun uh, it's very swingy because somebody may draw that one card out of a hundred that's in their deck that happens to do the one thing where it just wipes everybody away, you know, sort of deal. I probably played like six games over Thanksgiving with the boys. We actually went to Walmart <laughs> on day after Thanksgiving and we all bought a brand new commander deck because you can buy them pre-made. So Wizards of the Coast makes these now. You can go to Target, you can go to Walmart and buy these pre-made commander decks, uh, pre-built, so you ain't got to construct them or anything, open up and just start playing. And we had the best time and now I'm just in love with that format. And come to find out, uh, our friend Nate is also a huge commander fan. And he said, I got to bring you guys some decks. We got to play some commander sometimes. So it's just a fun uh, sit at the table, four player, crazy game that lasts, I don't know, maybe about an hour. Depends on how people's, how good people's decks are, but it's just, it's just crazy, wild, swingy fun. You may think that you're winning and all of a sudden you're the first one eliminated, that sort of deal. So people who are very competitive may not like it because it's like, no, I need a very tight strategic game. I need to know that I've got three copies of this card and can draw into this and make my combos. You can't guarantee that with this format, which what makes it fun. So with the commander deck, does that mean every card's allowed? You know how they will sometimes eliminate cards and say, no, you cannot use that? Every single, that's another reason why people like it. Every single card is allowed. Nothing ever rolls out. You can go back as far as you want and include any card you want. That's why a lot of people like it because in competitive magic, you know, cards roll off, right? So depending on like in the standard format, uh, eventually cards from certain sets you can't use anymore. Now, you can still use them for casual games and stuff, but in this one, it's like, nope, just throw in whatever card you want, but you can just only have one copy. I mean, I didn't know that you could buy pre-constructed decks. Maybe someday when we can have lunch again that I would do that. Yeah, it is It is just silly, silly fun. We, we came home one night and... Uh, or that we came home, we said, let's play together. And Travis, man, had this huge beast, was just wiping everybody away. And I thought, man, this game's going to be over quick. All of a sudden, Brett plays this card annihilates the beast and then all of a sudden Travis is out of the game <laughs> so that's just it just happens on a dime and then right before Adam left Adam came in to me and said hey you know even though the other two are gone you want to run a quick two-player game of commander heck yes it is 
Just simple fun. Just simple. Yeah, it's, I've got a couple commander decks if you ever want to try them. You don't need to go buy one if you don't. It is a lunch game. Honestly, you just sit down. You just play a casual game as you eat chips at Moe's and have a burrito or something. All right. Uh, that sounds interesting. Because, I mean, the thing I didn't like, you know, the mana mess up or mana screw and all that other stuff, you still got to deal with that, obviously. 100%. Now, we, we have a casual rule. I, I love the rule that they've done. So you draw your starting hand. Typically in Magic, when you mulligan, you draw one less card. You get a free mulligan in that after you draw your starting hand, if you don't have enough mana, chunk it. Draw another starting hand of full full number of cards, and then it starts changing after that. So they try to make it so that let's not worry about somebody mulligan and, and having less cards and not getting what they want. They just want to have fun. Okay. I actually was talking to our friend Bert about it the other day. He was just telling him about this format, and he said that he tried to get his son about three years ago into Magic. He didn't like it at all, but he said he may try this because, again, pre-built decks, just go to Walmart Target, buy a couple, throw them down, and, and play. Our ninth anniversary, Marty, a lot of things have happened on the show, a lot of things we're not proud of, a lot of things we are proud of. What are we not proud of? <sighs> Don't put me on the spot like that. I'm sure there's something. Well, you said a lot of things we're not proud of, so I would assume that you have a list of those things in your head. No. <laughs> I don't. I'm trying to do a segue here. And, 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 and he's just he's like a politician over here. It's like, a, oh, I got a thousand things I can make ways better. How? I don't know. No. It just sounded good. <laughs> I'm sure we're not proud of some of the reviews we've done. I'm sure we're not proud of some of the segments we've done. I'm sure. No, you said you had a list. You said I, there are a lot of things. So I thought I was wanting to hear some of the things are. So, all right, go ahead. Okay. Uh, the one time when we went on way too long on the, our anniversary episode of number nine, where we wouldn't <laughs> go to a game. That's something we're okay. not. Okay. All, all right. That's one. Okay. I'll give you that one. All right. Very good then. But one of the things that I'm proud of is, I think it was in 2016, that there was a, um, some ladies came to us to ask us to mention on the show a Kickstarter mm -hmm. that they had put together during the craze of Escape Room. Oh, yeah. And we received the prototype, and this is from Juliana Patel and Ariel Rubin. And they came out with one of the first Kickstarters, and it was Escape Room in a Box, and it was uh, the Werewolf Experiment. And it was really clever. And, you know, it was a successful Kickstarter. They published it. Well, these ladies have gone on. They've got a very successful company, and they've released additional um, Escape Rooms in the Box. They've done other items. But Mattel has picked up two of their new Escape Rooms in a Box, and they have sent those Ooh. to us. Yes. They're called Escape Room in a Box, Time Drifters, Isabel's Story, and Kira's Story. Mm. And they've designed these so that you can play them online with others. So I'm excited that we will have the opportunity to do this. I want to see how things have advanced. What has mm. changed? What has manufacturing? So I'm really looking forward to this and see what, what um, it looks like. Because I remember the, the original one, and Mark even backed it, and he got it. But I remember it was, you know, you had strings and pulling and paper. I'm kind of curious how it's changed. I haven't opened it yet. So I'm hoping that you and I can do this escape room in the box because I haven't been to an escape room in a very long time. When was the last time you went to an escape room? Over the summer. Uh, when we visited uh, Montana, we did one there. Really? Mm-hmm. We got out. It was a good one. It was one of the best ones I've played. 
It was a good one. Friends of ours was just telling me um, recently that they did one where they had touch screens and there was people doing, when you screw up, the guy would look at you on the touch screen and goes, that's wrong. And it was very interactive. It was high tech. And I thought maybe that these places, because you don't hear about them, I was thinking that maybe these places have um, gone by the wayside, gone with the dodo. Nope. Now, I'm sure COVID has really hurt a lot of them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's probably, you know, but there's uh, like one local still here in Waxhaw. I'd love, I, I'm glad our family finally got to do one. We'd never done one together. So it was kind of a highlight uh, for us to be able to go and knock one out. So yeah, I, I'd love to see how this plays, especially if you could do it remotely. Or I do, I get to use, need to use, a, I guess, a camera or something. Do you, Does only one person need to have a copy of the game? I don't know that. I just, <laughs> I, I got a box. And, it, and let me read you what it says. You can... I don't know that. How have we messed up this year? I don't know. It says, play with another group remotely. Tony makes these statements, and then when I ask him to back them up... Well, it's <laughs> in the email. It, it's in the email. She said you can play with people remotely. Like, okay, so... Well, you need. I guess you need to open it up, and we'll figure out how we can play remotely. But if you remember correctly, when you open it up, the first thing it says is, read this. Don't go any farther. Mm, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I'm scared to open it because I might begin the escape room experience. Ah, okay. But yeah, I'll, I'll do one. I'll, we'll do, um, maybe we'll do Kira's story. Which one looks better? Well, how about this? How about, how about this, man? If you can do it remotely, maybe that's one of the things we can do for Ooh. RDTN Con in January. There you go. And I do now this, I'm not making up. I can, I've read this, that it's a one and done, but they've made all the puzzles available so that you can reset it up, print out, print out the puzzles and pass it along. That's gotcha. Cool. So anyway, so if if it does work remotely, that's one of the things we can do together on our discord channel for our uh, virtual con. Yeah. It's going to be coming up. It's really cool. Look, I mean, look at that. That's cool. It is cool. It's very cool. I, pro- I can't wait to see how it works. I probably broke something by shaking it. Yeah, don't don't uh, don't shake it too hard. Hey, I know we, you and I talked about getting together during lunch, maybe playing some magic. Well, over the past couple of weeks, uh, Bert and I have gotten together during lunch to try the new expansion to Vampire the Masquerade Rivals, the Wolf and the Rat, which introduces two brand new clans, the Gangrel and the Nos Nosferatu. So I love that, you know, typically in card games, right, when a new set comes out, they introduce a new mechanic. The mechanic in this is animals come into play where you can attach animals and use them. And there's a concept of not only attaching the animals, but getting some abilities from detaching animals from your vampires. So that's kind of what's new in this. And he and I have been playing the the pre-made decks. And I tell you, they... Renegade Games does such a good job with the pre-made decks. Pull them out of the box. You're ready to start playing. They have the nice little card dividers included in the box so that, uh, you know, however you sort your cards, you've got the dividers already there. They give you extra cards for building decks. So uh, the Wolf and the Rat is out. It's two brand new clans. They just keep growing this game. I can't wait to see what else they do. And Bert and I have been enjoying our time playing it. And we still need to somehow... Sit down and play a uh, a four player game together sometime again. That's just maybe that's one of those things that'd be fun to do over the holidays when we take our break because uh, I think that's where the game really shines, especially maybe at three players. Four players might get a bit long, but three players I really think could be a sweet spot. Just let me know when so I can reread the rules. It's been a while. Yeah. Here's the thing, man. Even when we play, we always have to kind of go back and re-look up a couple things for timings and stuff like that. So it is a rule set that just doesn't 
stick with me for some reason. Um, it's it's a solid rule set, but there's little things that, like the other day when I was doing uh, like an influence check, I was like, no, wait a minute, how does influence, how do I grab titles? You know, that sort of, there's a lot of things you can do in this game. You just kind of have to play it over and over again. Even though I've been playing it like every two weeks, there's still little things I forget. But also they sent us a copy of a of the new expansion for the Vampire the Masquerade RPG, Sabat, S-A-B-B-A-T, which has some nice stuff in it. But I was really geeking out over this uh, GM board. I love these little GM panels that have all these stats like like written right across. So if you're GMing and stuff, it has everything you need to know as a reference guide as you're playing the game. And while these aren't new or anything, a lot of people do it. They just did a really good job and they include like a little Vampire the Masquerade Storytellers kit, which gives you uh, story ideas for like different characters and names and what they do. So if you're a, a you know a, a GM or inexperienced GM in this game, uh, getting this uh, GM shield is is a really good way to have the rules right in front of you and plus give you some little tips for playing the game. So Renegade has really kind of got their own little segment of the market right now with Vampire the Masquerade between the card game and the RPG. And uh, it's a very, very popular IP that's been around for decades. And I hope it does really well for them. Yeah, I hate my office moved farther out so I can't meet you for lunch. Because, I mean, it's a... I know. I know. It's one of those things that you and I rarely get to meet for lunch anymore. And when we do, we usually have to pull out little games like this. Like, like to be honest with you, Tony, Fort Sumter. Merely when we got Fort Sumter, I saw that's a lunch game right there because it's a little 30-minute game. It takes uh, no time to play Magic and then uh, Vampires, too. So, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing how quickly 20 minutes in a car can go, especially when there's traffic. And you're like, oh, man. So I'm going to get there. I'm going to meet him. I got 15 minutes. That means I got to slurp down food real fast and we'll get a game on the table. Yep. Oh, work, 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 work. But you also got to play another game that I'm jealous of. I'm interested to hear about, and that is Cape May from Thunderworks Games by Eric Moso. Is that correct? Yeah, this is his very first game. And uh, what an impressive offering right out of, of the gate for, uh, for uh, Eric. This is... Uh, a game that's well kind of the location kind of gives away it's in cape may the idea it's almost like a, a city building game uh the board is made up of different sections of the beach there's a gravel area a grass area a dirt area and a sand area and the idea is that you're going to be moving around the board and building businesses or building residential areas and you have a hand of seven movement cards and uh, on your turn, you'll play, you can play a, one of the actions you can do is play a card ranging either from one to seven to move that many spaces on the board. So you're moving around the different blocks of the board. And when you're adjacent to a vacant space, you can build something there. You can build a house. You can build a business. If you already have a house or business there, you might be able to upgrade it. If you have a house, maybe you want to upgrade it to a Victorian house or maybe upgrade it to a landmark or make a bigger business. The whole concept of the game is trying to generate money to be able to build your buildings in the end to generate victory points. Oh! At the end, I know. At the end, if you got a lot of Victorian houses, it's going to give you some victory points. You got a lot of landmarks, it's going to give you even more. If you have them on the beach, they're worth a lot more in the beach area than they are in the gravel area. And it graduates up from there for the gravel is the cheapest place to build, but the least amount of victory points are awarded for it. 
The sand is the most expensive place to build right on the beach, obviously, but also gives you the most victory points. So there's this like, like an economic engine building thing that uh, Bert, who I played with, called on b- before I did. He said, well, early in the game, you want to build the shops. And here's why you want to build businesses, because you have your own income track. As you build shops, your income track goes up. And at the end of every season, you play through seasons, summer, fall, winter, you know all the seasons. At the beginning of a season, you have an income phase and collect money based on where your income token is on that track. So you try to get a lot of businesses out there to increase your income. So when you go into a new season, you get a lot of money back. So early in the game, you're trying to generate wealth. And at the end of the game, you're trying to now use that money to build as many houses and stuff all over the board because you're also going to get points for whoever has the most types of buildings in the gravel or the grass or the dirt or the sand, etc. And at the very beginning of the game, there's objective cards that kind of put you on a path. It's like, hey, you're going to earn eight extra points if you have four Victorian homes in the gravel and four Victorian homes in the dirt. So right off the bat, it kind of gives you a way, a direction to move to generate points because those objective cards do create a lot of points. But it's not just moving and building and upgrading that you can do. You can also uh, have these activity cards that you can draw and play during your turn such that these activity cards will typically maybe make things cheaper. It's like, hey, you can build an upgrade here for something that's uh, maybe three coins less. So we found that activity cards are really important. Get those into your hand. helps you to be able to do things maybe cheaper or better. And also, at the beginning of every round, uh, there's an event card that comes out that affects the board. It may say, hey, at this point in time, whoever has the most Victorian houses in this area, you get some money or something. Or it could be an event that's like, oh, this whole city block right here is on fire. And now it costs more to build in that area. So there's an event that affects the whole board, and that is the at the beginning of every round. But the thing about the movement cards, Tony, what's important about that is once you use it, you can't use it again until you take an action to Refresh. retrieve all the cards off the table. So it's one of those things that where if, oh, shoot, I need the three card but it's now in my discard pile, so I need to take an action in order to pull that back into my hand. Very good mechanic. Uh, we've always we've been talking about that with a lot of games recently, where you had that need to pull it back in your hand. And I didn't mention there's only three actions, so you have to kind of decide. Hey, you want to play as many movement cards as you can before you waste an action to get them back into your hand. So you try to position yourself on the board that maybe you're adjacent to two spots that you can do a build and an upgrade or two upgrades, you know, without having to move again. Uh, there's a concept of if you land on a space with the bird, you put your hand into a bag and pull out a token of a bird. So there's a little bit of set collecting because at the end of the game. The more different types of birds you have of a set, you also score victory points. So there's multiple ways to score victory points. But overall, I really think it's it was, we felt it was kind of a lightweight game because you move, you get some money, you build, and you try to just nicely generate victory points. So it, it flows very well. The turns are very quick. There's not a lot of downtime. I think it's one that you would really like with Donna, maybe? I don't know how she thinks about games like this. A hit or miss, probably. I like the quick time. I like the SimCity feel of blowing stuff up. I think that's pretty cool. 
<laughs> blowing stuff. No, it doesn't burn down existing buildings. It's just like, hey, it's harder to build in this area right now. It didn't blow up a building that was oh, off. Oh. Well, I don't know. We didn't run across an event card that destroyed any buildings. Who, who knows? I didn't look through the event card deck. You never do know. I mean, that could happen. Gas leaks, somebody lit a match, boom. You know. <laughs> okay. You're just making up stuff. I'm not making up stuff. Now, here's the thing is the, the production quality of this is outstanding because every building is a little plastic piece. Uh, you start out with the tiles. There's just tiles that you put to f- like your starter business and your starter house. But after that, you replace it with these really nice plastic pieces. So there's a little bit of a price point on here. It is $60. So uh, on Miniature Market, it is only 44 uh, bucks right now, but it's 60 bucks because, again, of all those super nice pieces. But again, it plays, I don't know, I guess it depends on the number of players. It took us maybe about 60. I guess with four players, it would take a little bit more because everybody's having to take their turn. But I would love to play with four because now you're really fighting all these all these uh, different locations that uh, Bert and I weren't necessarily having to fight too much over. Like his objective card was build stuff in the sand, None of my objectives cards had to do with the sand area, but because he did that, he got all these extra victory points at the end because he had the majority in the sand and all this other uh, benefits of building in the most expensive area. But he did have to develop his businesses early to generate the income to be able to build those nice homes on the beach. Oh, yeah. Nice homes on a beach. Mm -hmm. I was in one. Yeah. Really disappointed (laughs) I couldn't sit on the lawnmower while I was there at the beach. That was kind of funny. <laughs> so, yeah, in a Discord channel, Tony <laughs> shared a picture of him standing beside a John Deere. <laughs> long, long tractor next to the beach because they were mowing the grass. I was like, guys, can I sit? No. Why? And we're like, you just can't do that. That sounds fun. Kate May, uh, maybe we'll get it on the table so I can learn it. And then we can actually do another review of it and see get my opinion of that. Uh, I did want to point out something. I got to do trivia night uh, when I was on vacation. We went to... Um, Oh, God. Moose McGillicuddy's uh, Bar and Tavern at Maui. And on Wednesday night is $13 hamburgers and trivia night. And one of the rounds was sports and games. Oh. I know. So my mother-in-law looks at me and says, I'm counting on you to get all 10 of them. And I go, well, I got all 10 of them in the first round without your help. So anyway, it's a love-hate thing we got going on with my mother-in-law. But I'm going to quiz you on three of them. See Mm. how well you do. All right. Sports and games. Sports Got and it. games. All right. all right. And these are all the games. All right. Because one of them was very embarrassing to me. In 2018, this game came out that follows Uno. Uh, duo? Actually, uh, Uno? Dos? Dos. Yeah. She's like, why don't you know this? I, I mean, I, they said duo. I said, I think it's Dos. I have not seen Dos. In, in the, I, I've seen it in Target. Seen it in Target. And see, I don't have a Target mm-hmm. near me, so I didn't see it. So, yeah, very good. Well done. What are the total number of pips on a standard six-sided die? Hold on. I'm not going to count. I'm going to math it out. Okay. One, two, three. 21? 21. There you go. Mm-hmm. She goes, how? Because uh, each side is seven. Mm-hmm. There's three different sides. Three times seven. Yeah, I said 21. She goes, how'd you know that so fast? And I go, well, it's kind of three times seven, but also I've seen the die so many times that, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And this one, she start, she she about heat in her britches because I didn't know the answer and it hurt. Mm. And I blame they've changed the game. Okay. All right. This popular children's board game stars Philip the Penguin. Popular children's board game stars 
Philip the Penguin? Uh-huh. Children's board game. Uh-huh. And actually, your son had this game. Your oldest, your eldest. Because I gave it to you. He did? Yeah, as a gag gift. Uh, uh, break the ice? Don't break the ice. Don't break the ice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But when you got it, it had a man on it. We had men on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because, yeah, that's right. Now it's got a penguin. Oh, okay. Philip, I guess it's don't break the ice. But ours had a little guy sitting on the ice. And I guess they decided it was cruel for some guy to fall in the ice. But it's okay for a penguin. I guess penguins are used to diving underwater under ice. And they know they can survive. But a dude wouldn't. That's right. But if there's an orca underneath there, that penguin may not make it. That's true. Are orcas underneath ice? Well, you know, they're down in that area. Or I, Well, they have to come up to breathe. This is true. Maybe they go up through the... Never mind. I don't know how this all works, and it's not worth $5. <laughs> I don't know how more... Norwells, orcas, I don't know. I don't know Norwals, I, Norwell. Wow, Norwells. Maybe it's a walrus down there. Maybe there aren't any orcas down in the Antarctic. I am the walrus, cuckoo, kachoo. Absolutely. And I was just like, okay, I'm doing pretty good here. And then there were some other ones I didn't do very well at. But the only games I got to play on vacation were Gin, Five Crowns, Mexican Train. Mm. Just think, if, if we had a vacation home and people were to show up, you know there'd be more board games. Sure. And they did have a comic book store in Maui that I didn't make it to, but they also had a toy store, which I guess could be a game store because they had a copy of Ticket to Ride. So for me, that constitutes a game store. So does Target and Walmart constitute as a game store because they have Ticket to Ride? Yep. They got games. They got other things too, but that's beside. I don't go to Target for that. <laughs> I wonder if Bucky's has games. I bet they do. And finally... You know that uh, we're big friends with David Waybright and the fellas and ladies over at the Man vs. Meeple YouTube channel. They are running their Kickstarter right now. We love those people over there. I think they do a fantastic job. If you've noticed, their video quality has just really gone up this past year. They do a lot of cool things. They do Kickstarter previews and different segments. They stole our segment called Chit Chat. Uh, where they sit around and talk about stuff. And David did not ask for permission to use the name Chit Chat, but I'm still helping them promote this anyway because I could send our lawyer after him. But, you know, I'm going to be a nice guy. That's going to be my contribution to this Kickstarter is I won't charge him in court for stealing the name of a segment that we had. That seems fair. No, seriously, y'all. Uh, the Kickstarter is going on uh, uh, right now. Again, they put out a lot of great content. You probably already know about them. You probably already subscribed to their channel. If you don't, please do. One of the bigger channels in board game industry and obviously one of the most professional looking and it sounds and looks great. Again, fantastic job. I've known David for years. Fantastic guy. Great friend. So please go help them out. Man versus Meeple. Kickstarter going on right now. Over the past several years, there has been one designer that has come out with some of the best narrative games and coming out from a company that puts out some of those best narrative games. The company, Flat Hat Games, the designer, Jerry Hawthorne. He specializes in narrative games for all ages, including very popular games like Mice and Mystics, Stuffed Fables, Commonauts, Aftermath, and now a brand new game that was just announced by Plat Hat Games, Familiar Tales. This is a cooperative deck building. I, they have me there, Tony, deck building. I love that. 
fantasy adventure. This plays one to four players, plays in about 45 minutes. And if you know these other style of games, you know that this is going to be a game that you play that tells a story over the course of the game. And that's exactly what happens in Familiar Tales. This game comes with 26 highly detailed miniatures, a beautiful illustrated location book, has a, like a spiral bound book where you're playing your locations and everything, a lot of cards, some deck boxes and everything, and it's available right now for pre-order. If you go to the website, Plat Hat Games website, or go to pre-order.familiartalesgames.com, you can order it right now. In fact, if you was like, wait a minute, I don't know if I want to do that or not. Well, you can get the rule book, read through it, see what you think of it. And for a limited time only, all first run copies include the Forger's Market Supply Tray, uh, which is a nice uh, storage organization thing that comes uh, with the game. Again, if you're familiar with Jerry's other games, you know that this game is going to be top notch when it comes to creating narrative experiences in your gameplay. And it has a fully narrated online app where you can hear the stories for yourself come alive. You're going to be traveling over beautiful fantasy landscapes and there's going to be different secrets that you're going to try to discover along the way. You're going to choose which path you want to wander. So as you play the game, you're going to have, oh, wait a minute, should I take this path or this path and discover areas that you might not otherwise find by doing so. You're going to craft new character specific cards to imp improve your familiar as you play. And you're going to grow and improve your characters with every session that you play. So again, there's a lot going on in this game. You start out simple, you grow your character over time, tells a rich story. Pre-order right now. If you've liked Mice and Mystics or Stuffed Fables, then you, I think, are really going to like Familiar Tales from Plat Hat Games. We are recording this right after we finished our live stream on Twitch of playing the game that got us into tabletop games, Lord of the Rings TCG that came out 20 years ago. Oh, turn your phone off. I don't, suddenly she's decided to start turn, texting me. I don't know why. <laughs> In one of those rare situations, we're recording face to face and he's got his phone on over there. There. She's busy telling me it's getting ready to rain. <laughs> Be safe when I drive home. Okay. Oh, that's nice. Oh, I appreciate that, sweetie. Thank you so much. Oh, and by the way, I just finished cleaning up all my baking stuff. She made these um, Yuletide logs, mm -hmm. you know, so it's peppermint it, filling. Yeah, the with the Dutchy roll, yeah. Yeah, 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 with the chocolate glaze. And oh, the, sounds yeah. good. Nice. Why don't you bring one here? Uh, these are the ones that people have requested from her. Okay, I request one, so bring one here. No, I'll bring you one. Next time I see you, I'll bring you one. Mm. I've got a pumpkin one already in the freezer. Oh, there you go. So, well, that went off the rails pretty quick. All right. Welcome to Rolling Dice and Thank You Names, where going off the rail oh. is our trademark. So, yes, we completed a Twitch stream in person of playing a game that got us started into board gaming and collectibles and this kind of stuff 20 years ago. Lord of the Rings CCG that came to us through Vanessa's brother uh, was really into this game and he came up for Thanksgiving 
in 2001, took me to a game store. I thought, man, this game sounds really cool. Tony sounded interested. We each went and bought a starter deck, and that's the starter decks that we played today. I bought these starter decks a year and a half ago off eBay. They weren't that expensive, 15, 20 bucks a piece, unopened. Mm -hmm. So today on the stream, we opened them up. We had pre-read the rules to kind of re-familiarize ourselves with it, pulled out two fresh starter decks, and played a full game. And that's the most fun I've had playing a game in quite a while. I know. Such a good... You know, it just dawned on me. It's like a, a boom, hit me right smack in the head. 20 years ago is when it started, when you started doing, hey... You should try this. <laughs> you should try this. That's when my wallet started getting hit. I'm telling you. Mm. Oh, and it got hit a lot with this oh, game. So we got man. really. So the way this game uh, was released was there was a major release for each movie of the three. And then there were like two or three expansion booster boxes that came along after that. So there's like a Fellowship of the Ring, then two or three expansions, and then the Two Towers, etc. And we bought booster boxes of each and every one. We would split boxes. We would do a whole drafting thing where we would draft packs and then open the packs and trade the cards because there were certain classes I wanted to play, certain classes he wanted to play. And uh, we just got in a big time rabbit hole. We talked a couple other people into playing with us. Mm -hmm. And that's what was so good about this game is there's so many mechanics in this game that just excel on so many levels that we really haven't seen since this game. Oh, yes. It was, I mean, Decipher got us in, the mechanics, but when we yeah, started... Decipher, the publisher. Publisher yeah, got us in. Who it no longer exists. Yeah, and but the, the neat for me, the neat thing was that when we would split these booster boxes, we always completed every, everybody's commons in our deck. Yes. Yep. Yeah, because you could have four of a card in a deck, and the decks were consisted of 60 cards. They were minimum split, 30-30. Um, between your shadow and your fellowship phase. And, but it was just, that was when we could stay up late. We would play till about one, two in the morning playing this, mm -hmm. but we also got started late. <laughs> That's fair. Right, eight, eight o'clock. I, I don't know which was more enjoyable, winning the game or playing cards when we did this and tricking the other person or making them say, oh, that was a nice combo. Yeah. Well, where, where was the satisfaction? And, I, and I'm trying to remember. Both of those were just so, so satisfying. And here's the thing is the game has so many little things in it. It has a push your luck element. So the goal of the game is to get a fellowship, your fellowship, through nine sites to the end. But they're going on a journey. And uh, as you go along, you have the option of potentially going an extra site or two, depending on the number of players. It increased with their – it's supported to four players, multiplayer, and we'll cover how that's so good in a second – but there's this whole push your luck. It's like, well, I think I've got a chance to move ahead. But when the fellowship player moved ahead, they don't get to refresh their hands or anything. And whatever minions or the shadow, the bad things on their board will stay there and follow them. But the person that you're playing against gets to refresh their hand, mm -hmm. gets some more resources to spend. So it could make that next fight tougher. However, because all the cards are shuffled together, you don't know what your opponent has. They could have just drawn a bunch of fellowship cards, which is useless to them in the shadow phase of the game, which is kind of what happened to you in our game that we yeah. just played. I pushed my luck to get to the end, and you drew nothing but fellowship cards. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the Wikipedia just going through it because you kept saying, you know, two, it was always two expansions to the main one, like Fellowship of the Rings, Minds of Moria, Return of the Elf Lords. Ah, uh, okay. And then I was sitting there thinking, when did it start falling off for us? 
and it was we played the two towers, Battle of Helm's Deep, and I think when the ints of Fangorn were in, was introduced, mm-hmm. is I think we started losing it. That was also in two thousand and three. So two years later, we started losing that drive. Family, I, I don't know. Well, I, mean, I do remember too that we really lost it after the movies came out, and they started coming out with cards and changing the rules and breaking the game. Yeah, Break, yeah. maybe breaking the is the wrong word. I don't know. They, they, they had to adjust. They drastically changed some of the rules of the game that we just didn't care for. Right. I wanted to come back. I know, and we've pitched several ideas of this game to several designers and stuff. Look, it, so the resource mechanic is so good on the fellowship phase when you're putting your cards into play your companions, your equipment to put on them, etc. There's a cost to each one of these. And you take that cost, and we played with glass beads in the stream just like we used to. Something costs two, take two glass beads and put it on the table. You create a twilight pool. So there's this big pool of beads that's sitting in the middle of the table. When you move, you have to pay one bead for every companion that you have. You have to pay one bead, one resource or per the cost of the site that you're going to. And then when you get there, it's the shadow player's turn. The, all those resources you just put in the pool is what the twilight player gets to use. Mm-hmm. So it is so interesting. It's like, well, I can play everything right now, but I am giving, I'm just gonna, if I was playing against Tony, I'm giving Tony a bunch of resources to play against me with his cards. But early in the game, the shadow player is roaming. His minions are roaming. So it costs him more to put it out, plus two to whatever his cost. So you're trying to build that fellowship up fairly quickly so that you have the ability to battle late in the game. Because mm-hmm. the first player to the ninth destination wins, ninth location. Right. But you're right. It was, do I want to give Marty all that? Because I need to be able to keep moving. I need to push my luck. I need to get to the next location. Mm-hmm. And you try, so you try to starve your opponent. And, for example, if I know that in this starter deck, Tony's playing the, uh, the Uruk High, which are more expensive, and I'm playing with the Orcs, which are cheaper. So I try to starve him. I'm not going to give him a lot of resources, so hopefully he can't get out a bunch of Uruk High because they hit harder but the orcs are cheap and a bunch of them come out at once. So they swarm uh, just like in the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh man. And the Nazgul about corruption. I can't remember when they came out. Um, and then a lot more minions got added. And then of course a lot better equipment got added. Mm-hmm. And then of course there was always the chase for the rare, not the one ring, the chase for the rare, getting those rares. That, that probably was one of the negatives I had about the game. Well, it's just CCGs in general. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, whoever could afford the most rares, would get have the better hand. Well, that's where we took a lot of advantage of sites. We went to these online trading mm-hmm. sites where we'd have a list of wants, a list of needs, and you'd work out trades with people all over the world. And you would just trade cards back and forth. Sometimes we'd buy stuff on eBay. So that's that's how we got our cards. We didn't spend a lot of money in buying the rares. We usually just traded for them or we just bought a lot of booster boxes and hope they showed up in there. But yeah. then we would flip them. So we could you could take the rare Arwen card that was going for a lot of money. If you got the four one, it cost even more money, which I, man, I looked out and drew into one of those one time and I still have it to this day. But you could find some expensive rares to flip on the market to get some money to buy the, for, uh, the rares that you wanted. Yes. But for when you're building that deck, if you wanted those four rares and you wanted to really build on that, then you needed to go out there, especially if you're going to go do these tournaments. So for me, that was the downside of it as far as just playing and having fun. And I enjoyed sometimes when you were limited, you could set house rules. Like you may only have one rare or you can, when you're playing. And then there was even one where I think you even talk about the magic commander. 
deck where you know you only have one of each. There were some tournaments that said you could only have uncommons and commons. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And you couldn't bring in these mega rares. Mm -hmm. And that made a lot of um, challenges to the Mm -hmm. game. And it was always so much fun to sit at these cards and see the images from the movie and try to figure out where they occur in the movie. Yep. And you would even see some, you're like, where was this image? I don't remember this image. I don't remember this scene until the extended versions got released on Blu-ray. And you were like, oh, that's where they came from. So I was just trying to think of all the really unique mechanics I loved about this game. One was the resource mechanic, which I loved. The multiplayer was built in day one because the fellowship player would just play against the shadow side, regardless whether it's one or three people. And if it's three people, they would have a pool of twilight that they would split. So if I put 10 pool out there and I'm playing against three other people, they have to use that pool of 10 amongst themselves and somebody would play cards and there could, you could say what card you had, but somebody else may say, Hey, just leave me three. That way I can make sure I can get this really big dude out there or something like that. So they all work together against the one, which is what made it so balanced. So you couldn't team up on somebody. No. The nature of the game was it was always one against one to three shadow players. And when your, when your fellowship was done, the next person to the left took their fellowship turn and then you were part of the shadow phase. Mm-hmm. So well designed. Yeah. Always bluffing, push your luck, knowing the locations, building the location. Everything was very key. Key strategic divisions. Like when we, the game we were playing, I was like, okay, I need to hold back because my next path, my next location may hurt Marty more if he were to push it. And I wanted that one to come out. The path. So how that works is the first person. So the, the paths are numbered one through nine. And if I'm sitting at three, and now it's time for me to go to path four. And I'm the first person there. On the card, it has an arrow to the left and to the right of which shadow player's sight it gets used. It's never yours. Mm-mm. In a two-player game, it doesn't matter. It's always the other person. So they get to put their sight on the board. And like you said, you may want to hold back for the hope of getting your sight on the board, which could benefit you. And that was more compli- more difficult in a multiplayer game, but in a two-player game, it was part of it. Mm-hmm. Always trying to figure out, well, can I make that happen? Can mm-hmm. I do it? How many cards has he played in the shadow? I, there was no way you had all those shadow cards at the end. And, oh, and I, oh. but, there, but there was a risk of that. So yeah. if that person's moving a sight and using your sight, that means they're ahead of you at that point. Mm-hmm. Remember, it's a race to the end. So you're letting them get ahead but eventually you're going to have to jump past them somehow for your chance to win. Or maybe your goal is kill the yep. kill the ring bearer. Yep. If you kill the ring bearer, you also win. Yeah, overwhelm them. Hurt yep. their fellowship group because, yeah, maybe they can bring them back from the dead, res them, but that's something they have to balance. Okay, yeah, I'll go ahead and jump ahead. Oh, man, you just took out three of my companions, and now I'm down to only three in the later rounds. You remember in the early games – that never ever happened, but as they released more and more cards, we found tricky ways to by seven by sight seven or eight win mm-hmm. by overwhelming their ring bear and stuff because they finally came out with another car uh, enough cards and stuff to support strategies and stuff to pull that off. Yeah, some of the event cards. Yeah, because the in the first one it was the events weren't as powerful. You didn't have as many maneuver phases. Just so, so much archery in this game was always a phase before the skirmish. If you had a strong archery contingent, contingency that you could pick off people, it was all part of that. Getting the right armor on the cards, you had to factor that in. So there was all this balance of, oh, when I play a card with the same character name, they could heal. Well, 
I have to when well, I deck build, discard a card discard. with the same character name. Hill, yeah. Hill. But what you're doing is okay. You've taken up a card slot in your deck that you built for equipment or for mm. conditions. Um, there were even strategies, metagames out there of small little fellowships mm-hmm. that were heavy in the conditions and the event cards so that you were never paying a lot into the twilight pool. You mentioned uh, phases, and I mentioned this during the stream. There was lots of phases in this game, which is kind of an old schoolish thing. You had the fellowship phase, the shadow phase, maneuver phase, archer phase, assignment phase, skirmish phase, regroup phase. And we kind of got away from phases in card games as it, as it went on. Do you think that feels dated? I don't. Okay. I enjoy it. But then again, it's also a flow chart, and you know me. Uh, that's true. No, that's 100% true. One of the things I loved about the way this game was done is right on the card, it tells you what phase this card is valid in. Oh, this card can only be used in maneuver. This card can only be used in archery. So they were very specific. So timings were a lot easier mm-hmm. to follow. Also, there wasn't really a stack. It was literally during uh, like the maneuver phase. You play a maneuver card, I have a chance to play a maneuver card. You play a maneuver back and forth until both pass, and then you move on. And each of the phases, maneuver, uh, assignment, skirmishes, were just like that. I remember when we play, we're playing Android Netrunner, and we hit that timing concept. Yeah. Whoa, boom, mind blown. It was like, holy cow. Got that down, too. Amazing how we've progressed. I know. It, it was funny. You said when we started the stream that 20 years ago, we thought, man, the rules of this is just mind-blowing. And now it's like, no, this is a pretty simple game. Pretty straightforward. <laughs> I can do this. Well, let me ask you this. So why couldn't this be done with, with some right. other IP? I would love to see somebody pick up some elements of this game. The resource management, the very clever multiplayer. I mentioned in the stream about how Vampire Rivals, one thing that got me interested in that is because it does support multiplayer. It has the concept of rivals where one other person is your rival. So you can't really gang up on somebody else because if you kill somebody else's rival, then you're helping the person whose rival that is. They kind of built that into it. I still have liked the multiplayer of this probably a little bit better, but I wish they would take the resource management, the multiplayer aspect, even the the, the racing. It's a it's literally a race as opposed to just necessarily knocking out the other person. Mm-hmm. What else? It's the uh, the push your luck. Push your luck. That okay. was the other thing because it is a race. There is a push your luck of can I inch out ahead of everybody else? Can I survive one more sight? In order to try to get ahead of everybody else and put the pressure on everybody else to try to leapfrog you. Just so many elements built into this game. It has nothing to do with Lord of the Rings. No, it doesn't. Even the deck building, 30 and 30, or the, the even balance. What do I have to do there and how it can impact? And when do I discard? Oh, I really need this card in my fellowship, but oh, I got to discard it so I can regroup. But I don't want to. Do you think 20 years later, how do you like the deck's the shadow and fellowship being mixed. Do you think that's the way to go? Or should they be two separate decks? No, they sh- that's part of the game. That's part of the game. I used to hate it, but now as we played it again, I went, no, that's solid because that's part of the push your luck. For example, in this game that we just played, Tony's got a card of eight cards in hands. He's just staring at me. It's like, you can try to win this game by going one more site. Do I have eight Uruk high cards in my hand mm-hmm. that I will blow you up with? Or... Am I just staring at you with a poker face because I don't have got crap in my hand? <laughs> and and so you go with that attitude into it. But once again, you're like, okay, regroup. He, I've got to make that decision first. I can discard a card. You as being the shadow. Being the shadow. Yeah. Sorry. Being the shadow. I've got to regroup first before he decides to move. What did he do? Yep. Did he discard a lot? Because if he didn't, he didn't play these cards during the shadow. And he decided not to discard. 
So I'm either going to leave his hand full of shadow if I stop, and now he's jammed up on the fellowship phase. Or did he, does he still have a lot of shadow in there because he couldn't, he didn't have the twilight to play. Woo, good stuff. Now I will say if there was another IP that did this, which we know they won't be, that we can dream all we want. That's what this time of season's about, sugar plums and dreams. Uh, oh, it's fairies. That too. Okay. It doesn't need to be fantasy. It could be pretty much anything, but nobody's going to buy. What made this so powerful was the movies to me. Because even later, I mean, Spycraft we play, if they were to put Spycraft in this type of, uh, that's a dead CCG, um, you know. Are you, so you think if somebody else released a game with a different theme that wasn't Lord of the Rings, you wouldn't like it? No, I'm thinking it wouldn't sell as well. It would die quick. Nobody's going to beat the juggernaut of magic. We know that. Well, no, nobody will. But I wouldn't want a CCG. I'd want an LCG format. Why? That, that was my, I was getting to that, I think. I don't want to chase rares. I am so now a fan of what like Fantasy Flight has done with LCGs that I'm okay not chasing rares anymore. I like just buying a pack and I know what's in it. So you you always like everybody being on the equal foot. Yes, hundred percent. I, I agree. Well, remember, think about the the ways you said we used to play. No rares, everybody. Just the commons and uncommons. You just spent fifty bucks buying four rares. I don't want to play against your deck. Right. It's all gone with this. No chasing or anything. Yeah. So, but everything has to be balanced. Sure. And that's fine. And as long as if certain dynamics fit and work, like I said earlier, the rares added a lot of power to a deck. No, that's true. That's true. You know, when you got a rare, that it was probably going to be something that's, that's pretty good and pretty powerful. That's the tough balancing of any LCG, right? It's like, well, with the rares, they put them out there knowing, well, there's not that many of them out there. If you want to go buy them, you can, mm-hmm. as opposed to, oh, everybody gets this powerful card in their deck. So just everybody's going to use it. Yeah. And not use the other stuff that's in the deck. Exactly. So, but still, there are multiple mechanics in this game that I love, and I would love to see it, especially the resource mechanic. I love the idea of throwing a bunch of resources out there, knowing that you're just giving your opponent ammo to do something against you with it. I agree. So good. And, you know, again, we said it on the, the stream, too. You can uh, you can blame uh, this game for the podcast pretty That's much. Right. If, yeah. it, if it wasn't for this game, uh, we probably wouldn't have got into tabletop games. And if you want, you can actually blame Vanessa's brother. That's true. That's true. So it's not us. So you have to blame him. And one other little anecdote before we get out of here. So uh, at this time, you and I were heavily playing a lot of softball. And uh, oh, yeah. I will never forget, uh, we played in the, in the spring, in the summertime. And I remember playing games. We'd always have our decks in the car. And in the leagues that we played, we actually, during that time, we had a pretty decent team. We had a we, pretty good team. Okay, we won a lot of championships. Okay, we were really good. We were good for our We, we were good we for our... We weren't in A-League. We were in D-League. <laughs> That's that... right. We were in D-League. We did play one year in C-League and win. Okay. We, um, yeah, but anyway, yeah. they had a rule. They had a 10-run rule. If you could be up by 10 runs in the fifth inning, the game is over. Mercy rule. So Tony and I would get super excited when we think we could mercy rule the other team because we could go meet at McDonald's and play a game of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Or even lunch. We'd go for lunch and we could play this in no time because we knew the cards. And that was the other thing. We knew the cards so well. You'd play a card. Which one was that? Okay, I know that one. You know, I yep. have to. As opposed to, can I read that card? You know, But that's every card game, right? I, my sons are heavy into magic. They don't need to read the cards anymore. Just tell me the title and they know exactly what it is. Sort of deal. So it was fantastic reminiscing and going back and playing this game. It, it got me itching to want to play it some more. You sold all your... Well, no, you said you just recycled Cycle. all yours. You Mine didn't even resell them. I didn't, there was no market for it. I am not going to get rid of these starter decks. Oh. I'm, I'm going to leave them just like that because I think it'd be fun just to sit and uh, play a game 
again sometime. Heck, it'd be fun to fight, find another couple starter decks of the, like that set. I think each like the the two deluxe or the two sets came after. Also, it came with a couple starter decks too, just to play with those. So, Lord of the Rings 2001, the CCG that came wow. out that got us into gaming. Twenty years. Twenty years later, it's still just as good as what I remember playing it back then. the end of the year the elves are busy santa is giving them the instructions but this isn't the santa you're thinking of i'm thinking of this real skinny guy in poland <laughs> his name's ignasi santa ignasi hello hello and ignasi has got his little elves working hard in the shop are they getting ready for games for 2022 you know they are oh yeah they've got tons of games from 2021 uh huh. They've got Kickstarters. They're getting ready to come out. Preach board. it. Million dollar script. Fun family game for the holidays. Get that on the table. Or if you don't want to have any political battles at the house, why not have Nirishima Hex battle happening right there at the table? Taught my wife this game. She keeps asking me, what's the strategy? The strategy is to win, babe. That's the strategy. <laughs> That's the strategy. That's right. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way around it. I cannot wait. I'm going to drop Empires of the North. When my daughter and her boyfriend show up for Christmas, that's going on the table because I love that game and I don't get to play it enough. I'm excited to get them. But more importantly, you know what those elves are doing, Marty? What's that? Ignacy has got them working on PortalCon. That's right. Oh, yeah, baby. I saw that they're working on PortalCon. But here's the thing, Tony. He said that he's probably not going to do an English version of it this year, from what I understand. You know what that means? What? If he is streaming it, you and I will subtitle it with our own English translations. <laughs> that's that's what he may. I think that's what he said. He may not live stream it because it's it's so many issues. And I'm like, well, dude, that's the one time per year where we can actually get people to come and watch us is when we're uh, live streaming his uh, his big announcement so the, session. Even if he's doing his big announcement session in Polish, you and I will still stream it and we will put words with it. Well, what I'm saying is he may not be streaming it. Oh. That's the part that may oh, not be I'm happening. Oh. He may not be streaming it at all. Well, that sucks. That's not right. Well, I don't know. Th things can change. And he's probably going to listen to this and go, why didn't you guys run this by me before you started talking all this stuff? Now I've got to go correct everything. We'll probably owe him $5 for miniature market. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll correct it. I mean, we'll correct it later. It doesn't matter what he does. I know he's planning PortalCon. That was the intent of this whole commercial for him. I mean, you get what you pay for. That's all I'm saying there. <laughs> no, Portal Games, portalgamesus.com. Go out there, see all their incredible games. You got Dune, House of Secrets. You watch the movie, now mm. go play the game. Vienna yeah. Connection, Detective, great family games for the gathering around while you're sitting there. Kids are getting ready to be coming home from school or they're going to go on break. What a great way to keep them entertained. All these games, Dreadful Circus. Marty and I talked about this a couple episodes ago. That's another one you're going to hear in the Squirrelies. So there you go. I'll leave it at that. Go to portalgamesus.com. And we're back. The pain has not ended for the ninth anniversary episode. We're actually going to talk about <laughs> some really good solo <laughs> games here. Or at least mine was good. Marty's going to talk about something different. I'm going to talk about mine. And we've talked about this designer often. He has produced games that we love. War Chest, um, 
one of our favorite games of all time. He's done a lot of war games that I enjoy. Uh, Castle Itter, Pablo's House, Stealth by Sea. Undaunted? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you see where Undaunted, the expansion, is number one on the BGG hotness at the time of this recording? Oh, not reinforcements. Reinforcements. Do you know they introduced multiplayer? I cannot wait to do a four-player multiplayer game. Uh, using that. That is going to be so good. It's going to be, what was it I said in the last episode? Exciting? Amazing? What was it that you were giving me a hard time about last time? No, nah, I don't even remember. See, it's not even worth it. So you made fun of me, now you don't even remember. That's fine. I can deal with that. <laughs> so I have Pavlov's House. I have uh, Castle Itter. I have um, Stealth by Sea. Love David Thompson games. I give him a hard time about Undaunted because I want a bigger battle game, Marty. I want a game mm-hmm. like, like the you know the Battle of Midway. Um, he gave us you know Normandy or Undaunted, um, but he does these small scale battles, not these big huge battles. And some of these solo right. games, like the one I'm going to talk about here, is the Soldiers in Postmen's Uniforms. And what I love about these solo games is that they continue to use the same type of mechanics, the same, if you know the rules of one, then you will be able to quickly go into the rules of the next one. So this is a series of games he has called the Valiant Defense Series. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, I've talked about coin games before. I'm playing like Levy and Campaign. So it's a series of games built around kind of a core rule set. This he calls Valiant Defense. I just learned something. I just know the games are good. Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right. So, tell me about yours because mine's a Kickstarter and I played a prototype of a Kickstarter. So, tell me about Valiant Defense and basically what type of game. Well, number one, what's the theme of the game? I don't know what soldiers in postman's uniform, what's that about exactly? This is where I wish Ignacy was on. But this was the first battle in World War II where Germany invades Poland. And there are, I cannot do this battle this small skirmish, this small battle, justice. Because it, you know, it, it was this small little incident that happens. But Germany is coming into Poland, and they need to get to Danzig. And I know I said that wrong. I'm sorry. I apologize. Danzig. 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 Or I'm sure it's pronounced some other way because it, it, it was a town in Poland. And it, you know, this was a crisis and the Germans forces moved in to seize Polish installations in that town. Um, one was the peninsula and the other was the Polish postal office. Number one. And why is a post office so important during 1939? Why would they even attack a post office? If you think about it in our time, why, why would you think that's important? Attacking a post office and, uh, to shut down communications. I'm so proud of you. You made yeah. You made me proud. <laughs> oh, you do. They're they're controlling the information. Oh, A post funny. office is the central. Fo- you know, you have the town hall, but the post office is how you're going to get information in and out, and you control it. And if they get that control of that, then you're cut off. So think about the the importance of a post office back then. So the Germans come in, valiant. Uh, this the what'd you call it the Valiant Defense series Valiant Defense series. Mm-hmm. So basically, you have various phases, and as a solo game, in this one, there's an enemy phase, 
And then there's a defensive phase where you have a moving action. And then you have a defensive phase where you have actions where you can attack, you can suppress, you can recover. And then there's a clearing phase where you clean up the board, basically. Okay. And, and, that's, yep. and that's it to this game. You do that. Another thing about this is the rule books of all these games, you walk through the rules while you play the game and it's spelled out for you. Amazing job there. His rule books are top notch. And the other thing that I love about this game is the line of sight. This color means you can see the, the same color in this building. You don't have to worry about line of sight because, hey, red sees red, blue sees blue, so forth and so on. And another thing is the box is full of chits. Mm. There's chit everywhere. Chit, chit, <laughs> chit, chit. You're full of chit. And I was punching chit all day. Did you keep all those chits sorted? I forgot to bring my bags, so I didn't have a bag. Oh, I, I, not good. I know. I did not have individual bags of chits, so I've just got a box of chit. <laughs> so even after nine years, we still have very sophomoric humor. So, But that one, I love that. I'm sorry. All in all, soldiers and postmen's uniforms did not disappoint. Great solo game. Great introductory game. Um, for people who want to get in these types of war gaming. I mean, it's not this heavy measuring and rules and pages and pages of rules. That's what I love about David Thompson games. So, I mean, Castle Hitter, Pavlo's House, all these things. They're games that you can quickly learn, play, and you are controlled by the enemies are turning cards over. You as the opposition, you're trying to defeat them back. The sad part about this game is in the post office, when the Germans... It was a day-long siege, and they were able to get the people out of the post office because they set it on fire. And unfortunately, everybody there, I think there was only, not $5 worthy, I think there were only four survivors because Mm. after they pulled everybody out, the Germans called them illegal combatants because they did not have uniforms. They they, They did that type of rule and basically executed everybody. Oh, jeez. So, a very big history moment. So, it's one of those things that sound like you learned a lot about something you didn't even know about. That's what I like about yeah. these historical games. It's like, I never knew about this, and and I don't know how the rule book is for that one. So, uh, what I'm going to be talking about is a prototype rule book, but even the rules. He goes through the history of the events that are happening in there. I assume it's the same thing in your game, too, but tells you about, here's exactly what happened during this time if you want to know the history of the event. Uh, you can download that book. They, DVG. Okay. They put that out there for you to do. He writes all this up. This is what he's based his history on. And if you think about his other games, same thing. You can get the history behind it all. Yeah. So th- this Kickstarter he has going out. You can get you can get Soldiers. Um, I think Pavlo's just been re-released or Castle Itter. I forget one of the two has just been re-released. So this Kickstarter is coming up that I will be backing. What's it about? What's What's my time history? This is called the Battle of Lazarus Ridge, which was fought on December 16th, 1944, which is the first day of the Battle of the Bulge. Ooh, Battle of the... He took a small segment in a tremendous battle, a, a turning point battle of the War The first II. day. So here, here's what you're... Here's what you're I'm just going to read this, this paragraph because this really tells you what's going to be happening as I explain this game. The American defenders consisted of just 18 men. From the 394th Infantry Regiment Intelligence and Reconnaissance Platoon and four forward artillery observers. 
They fought against a German battalion of 500 paratroopers and about another 50 German soldiers uh, from another regiment. During a day-long confrontation, the Americans inflicted dozens of casualties on the German and delayed the advance of the entire 1st SS Panzer Division, the spearhead of the German 6th Panzer Army. So basically, these guys were just trying to hold the Germans back to give a little bit of time and hold them back, preparing for this, this huge battle. So that's what you're playing as. So Lazarus Ridge is, uh, I assume that the game that you play had a map. This is mm-hmm. this is a map of basically a ridge. And in here, he shows pictures of like the topography, like what it looked like during that time, what it looks like now. And when you set up the game, it says, okay, at the beginning of the game, you're going to put all these units here. Here's all these uh, actual American officers uh, actual guns they used. You set them up in these defensive points on the board. And then at the beginning, you have uh, a lot of the German assault tokens that are set up on the board. And then I guess in like your game, Tony, so during the enemy phase, I have I have four decks of cards. I have four attacks I have to survive. Okay, I Attack have three. One. I had three. Okay. Yeah, okay. I draw the top card and resolve it. It could be assault where a new token comes on the board and they inch towards you mm-hmm. and towards you. You're playing as the U S uh, it could be an MG 42 where that's a gun that's, it's, it's, that's put into place. And if it's not there, it's put on the board. And if it is there, then it activates and attacks one of your defensive positions. And then there's also mortar where they start, you know, throwing mortars um, at you. And uh, so after three cards, you resolve three cards, then it's your turn to take actions. Mm-hmm. Did you have the sort of thing where uh, in this particular game, you have five actions that you can use? You could take five to exhaust people. You can take, you have exhaustion tokens and you got five of those to use during a turn and typically going to use those to do different things such as move, attack, shoot, reload guns, prep your radio intelligence, prep your radio artillery, help people recover. So you have all these choices of actions that you can do, but after you've used your five exhaustion tokens, then it goes back over to the enemy side to go through three more cards. So is that how soldiers worked? Is it was it somewhat similar to that? It, it was very similar. So for me, I had to turn over in the attack phase of, or the enemy phase. I had to turn over five cards, resolve the same thing. Either I had um, soldiers advancing, bunkers being placed, not bunkers, but, uh, oh shoot, support fire, machine gun nests, or vehicles coming on because it's very early in the war. And then as the defenders, I had four actions to be able to move the defenders to get them in place, to be able to hunker down inside the building. And then from there, the defenders can then attack and use, I have four actions. And depending on if I move certain people or if they move the ammo, certain rules applied, but all the rules that I had fit nicely on these very nice aids that come in it that I have laminated to make nice. it very easy. So as once again, as I go through the rule book, I can learn how to play the game. And then after I learn it, then these beautiful player aids are going to come out on the table and I'm going to say, Oh, the enemy phase. Oh, this is what it can do. Reference this page. Oh yeah. I remember this. And as you keep playing these games, it ingrains. So if I were to come yours, it would be, Oh, by the way, you have three actions, five actions, three actions, or whatever, you know, as far as your, your troops, your enemy. Yeah, flip, flip three cards for the enemy. You have five actions then after that. And then the enemy gets to take another action. 
until you get through the entire deck mm-hmm. of attack one. And then you go to a, your second attack, your third attack, your fourth attack. Special cards may come into play. Variants may come in with tactic cards. I have tactic cards in my box mm-hmm. that allow me to set up various, a, a more advanced play. That's going to be years for me, David. I'm sorry. But what's really cool about this is, did you have major and minor actions in that game? Major actions exhaust the token. So when we talk about the people on the board, they're actually these little square tokens that represent actual officers, etc. They have stats on them. Some of them are commanders. Some of them are machine gunners. Some of them are radio operators. They all have attack values so that when they attack, they they use either a D8, 2D6, a D10, etc. That you, that you roll. But if you take a major action, they flip to the exhaust side. Now, I think what's different here is that if I take a recover, a recover does not unexhaust them. Uh, a recover only removes a disruptive token. Disruptive tokens are bad because if you get to the end of an attack phase, for every disruptive token you still have on the board, you lose morale. If your morale gets to zero, you lose the game. Okay, so my How side. do you lose the game? Yep. That's the same thing. There's a morale track. If it gets to zero, game over. If you get to zero, game over. My morale is when people die. Each chit token has a value of morale. For instance, there was a child that lived with her parents in the post office. She was severely burned and died later. But if she dies while I'm playing the game, my morale drops three. So you want to try to keep her alive. So you have to think about that as you play the game. and. All of mine will exhaust if I use an action of the token. But then I, gotcha. when I unexhaust okay. them, I then remove the disrupt. But if someone has been suppressed and then they get hit again, they die. Gotcha. So that's what's cool about this is that both of these have these basic core mechanics. Again, if you've played a coin game, there's a basic core mechanic. But it's re- done the actions and the things that you can do on your turn and the available tokens you have are totally changed depending on the scenario that you're playing through or the event that you're playing through. So you probably didn't have this concept of these radio operators that could be used to basically potentially discard three cards off the attack pile. So I had this thing called a radio artillery where if I succeeded in a roll, I got to discard just three cards off the attack and not have to uh, resolve them. So there's these uh, different things that, that you can do. But what I thought was really interesting is, as I was exhausting people, it's like, crap, how do I get these unexhausted? I happen to have a commander in these that could unexhaust three tokens. But once the commander's exhausted, that's it. They're not going to unexhaust. Everybody unexhausted at the end of the attack or the end of a deck after you've gone through an enemy phase deck everybody unexhausted and it resets the soldiers have that same concept we have the command action so we don't have a commander we have the command action but what i'm saying is is you have that reset where everybody gets to unexhaust at the very end after uh, one enemy phase is completed one whole deck attack we perform a clearing phase so that may be a difference okay okay so, okay. I'm just trying to see how, how, how these uh, two type games compare. And if you've played one, uh, what would you think, think of the other? Now, one thing I just did totally love about this is that he tries to recreate the battle. So the attack one deck, Germans are coming up the middle. 
They're coming right up the middle and trying to, to get to your defensive positions. You've got actually uh, fence tokens on the board. They're coming up to the fences. If they can overtake the offense, they'll come in your to your defensive location. Then you have to do close combat to beat them. By the way, I didn't explain how attacks work, and they may work the same for you, Tony. If I want to make an attack, depending on where they are on the board, the farther they are away, the harder they are to hit. And I roll a die, and if I meet or exceed the value of the space they are on the board, I remove that token. Yeah, it depends on who's attacking. If it's the machine gunner, then there is a position that he will fire upon. And if he has, and if the roll is after that position is determined by a roll or die, the next roll determines the strength of the attack. And if his strength of the attack is greater than the building strength, because the post office is taking damage and it is a fortification. So therefore you're comparing it to those fortification values and each floor has a different one. Later in the game, a howitzer shows up and let's just say, mm, things aren't too good at that point. Okay, so it does change over the game because what I was going to say was as the battle goes on in the upcoming decks, mm -hmm. attack three and four, the Germans start flanking. So in the first attack tech, they ain't even messing with these sides. Uh, when you do it, when it says do an assault, it tells you where to put the assault token. It's typically going to be in the middle areas. Well, in the later attacks, they're actually coming in from the sides. So you need to be able to fortify those sides. What's interesting is by the fourth deck, they're starting to come up and, and start to take you over. The Americans need to pull back at this point. They want to get the heck out of there. Uh, but before they do, they want to make sure they leave no equipment for the Germans to use. So they want to destroy the equipment. They don't want to have any Jeeps or any guns left over that the Germans can take care of. So you have objectives in later parts of the games that you try to complete before the game is complete, all in the goal of trying to recreate this historic event. And what was funny, Tony, is, is when I played through this, I thought, man, this is just a really solid little strategic historical game where you're, you're, you know, you're rolling dice to resolve combat and there's some line of sight and stuff. It didn't hit me till I went out to BGG and looked at the style of our family of game this falls under. This is a tower defense game. And I went, duh, that's exactly what it is. You're on the board. You're constantly having to deal with enemies coming towards you. You need to manage your resources, your the, the people that are attacking, when to exhaust them, your limited amount of ammo that you have in order to try to reduce these enemies that are heading towards you. It's really, at its core, a tower defense game with a historical theme. Mm -hmm. With easy mechanics to follow. Yes. For Postman, your win is based on how well you do in victory points because they're going to run you over. You're going, your goal is not to have a morale of zero. Right. You're not going to win this battle. You're not going to beat the Germans and say, hey, we changed the battle. You're not going to do that. So you have to, it's victory. How many people escaped the building? Um, you know, what, what is your morale? And you add up the total number of points and you win. If you scored 16 or higher based on the various scoring mechanisms, uh, you draw if it's one to 15. And of course, if you lose, if you scored zero or lower and, the, and, and lose, you lose immediately if your morale is zero. And then you have to look at your winning conditions. If, and the a third attack, the fire truck shows up and starts puts, put out the fire, you know, then, then the game is ends. Um, when the fire truck card is drawn and 
that's pretty much it. So you see how well you did. How well did you manage the situation? Right. And it's the same thing here. At the end of the game, you look at if you didn't, if your morale track didn't hit zero, you score points equal to the value of your morale track. There's an intelligence track where you can drive up your intelligence. Uh, you score two points if you completed uh, the make contact objective. So during the attack three deck, there's these medics on the field, Tony, that, oh, there's German medics. Well, one of them is actually is a disguised forward observer. And if you try to find which one of them is disguised and not really a medic, and if you do that, you get you score two points. If you complete the deny equipment objective, make sure the Germans don't get your equipment, you score three points. And then there's a table at the end that tells you how well you do. So as you play the game over and over, you try to get uh, higher and higher points. For my first Valiant Defense game, I really enjoyed this. I love the theme. Uh, this is a very famous battle. It's just a small aspect of the battle. It's a very successful series. These, To me, these just keep getting better and better over time. And this is from DVG Games. It's going to be out on Kickstarter uh, soon. So this is the next Kickstarter coming out from him, Lazarus Ridge. Uh, so be keeping an eye out for that. And Tony, your game is available right now. Soldiers in Postman's, Postman's uniform. Postman's uniforms. And if you aren't really sure about dropping the, the, the money on this, Pavlov's house is on, I know it's on the iOS, on the iPad system, because I have it. Oh, really? I didn't know that. And I don't know if it's on Android. I haven't looked to see if it's on the Android. So, But you can download it and figure out, will I like this system? It will teach you the rules. It's going, once again, there's the rule set. Yeah, a little things change, but you will get the concept, the feel. It's all right there for you, and it will walk you through it. Definitely take a look at it. The Kickstarter DVG, they've yet to disappoint me on any game I've ever purchased them. But as you've always said, your mileage may vary and depends on what you like. And I like this, so you should too. Yeah, again, I'm a fan of tower defense games. I'm usually not big into solo games, but I really enjoy my time with this. It was very tense. I was actually talking to David, trying to make sure I had rules clarifications as I was playing the game. It's like, dude... Everybody's getting exhausted. He went, oh, yeah. By the end of each attack, everybody's probably going to be exhausted. You just got to decide when the best timing is of like when a guy's exhausted. That's pretty much it. Unless you have a command, you know, action you can take to flip them over. But then the guys that can do the command once they're exhausted, that's pretty much it. So managing resources. And again, David spent six months Mm -hmm. researching the historical events here. Before I even started the game. Okay. That's why I'm so impressed with these historical games. How much work goes into these games before they ever even put pen to paper of designing the game itself. Right. And he's finding these events that are key that you wouldn't even know about. We all know Pearl Harbor. We all know Midway. We all, you know, from, from the U.S., our side of it. We know the big battles. The battle, oh, the battle of the bulge. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was something in the battle of the bulge that you may not recognize. That mm-hmm. was a key element to the Battle of the Budge, Bulge that was not in your history book, for if you still have history book. It was not a footnote anywhere, but he's he found all that. Well, yeah, I agree with you. Love the games. Enjoy playing the games. David, keep working on them. Keep finding these neat little things that you can teach us history. I mean, hey, listen to us. We're talking history here. We're not talking board games. Robinsberger does not have to pay me for this ad because I'm going to talk about gladiators in the arena. I am going to talk about the three-time champion gladiators in the arena game called Strike. 
They don't need to pay me for this because it is so good. It is the ultimate game. In all honesty, anytime I put this game on the table, and I, I'm not lying to you, every time I put it on this table, the people that play it, they're immediately on their Amazon app ordering this game. That's how good this game is. We have a tournament at Gen Con about this game. If the game wasn't good, do you think I would waste my time having a tournament about it? No, I wouldn't. Strike is that much fun. Yes, it's just dice. And yes, it's just a bowl. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I know. Uh, fine. I gave you your early Christmas gift. <laughs> All right. Strike. Robinsberger. It had gone out of print. They brought it back. You can find it at Amazon. You can find it at Miniature Market. It is, it's just silly fun. It is one of those games as you get towards the Christmas holidays. If you have it, you can throw it on the thing. It will teach the rules in under five minutes. You don't even have to go watch a watch it played video because you'll take too long and just play the game. Everybody will have a blast. Everybody will be cheering for just such a simple game. Once again, I don't know. I don't think I've said it enough. Strike by Robinsburg. Go get it. All right, y'all. We've been warning you. Christmas is coming. If you hadn't ordered by Miniature Market now, yeah, uh, that's going to have to be a rush delivery at this point. You know, that's just the way it is. Hey, you know what? Or maybe it's this. Maybe it's just like, oh boy, what happens if Christmas comes around and I don't get that one game that I wanted? Well, you know what? You can still head over to miniaturemarket.com and order that game for yourself, you know? I got an idea. What's that? Go to a, a gift exchange party, okay? Mm -hmm. Buy the game you want. Yeah. Wrap it. Go to a gift exchange party, put it under the tree, knowing that no one else is going to want board games. And magically, you got a game to take home and you don't look selfish. What happens if there's that one person there? It's like, oh, this looks interesting. And then they take it from you. Well, make sure that you don't pull it from the tree that someone else does. This way, if there's a limit to how many times it can be traded, then you get it. Ah, uh, I haven't done a white elephant gift exchange in quite uh, okay. a while. This is a miniature market commercial, but you and I need to talk about this. We had a problem with this when you did one. A white elephant means it's a gag gift to me. To you, okay. it just means it's a gift exchange. Oh, I still got that little angel that you gave us that one year, and we kept passing around. That's the it's white funny. elephant. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's staying down in the basement as a reminder of where everybody else got these really sweet gifts, and Tony comes in there with this little clay ceramic angel-looking it thing. It wasn't cheap, dude. But anyway, it's still, <laughs> it's a white elephant gift. White elephant, you don't want it. That was the beauty. So if you're going to gift exchange, so be careful when you say that. Now, I could be wrong, and this is a miniaturemarket.com commercial, and here we are talking about, you want to make sure you get the good gifts at the gift exchange, go order from miniaturemarket.com and get those, get what you want. Just saying. Or maybe it's one of those things where you're just like, hey, miniature market, I really need some really cool tray inserts for some of the games I've gotten in due to a secret squirrel over at RDTN. Mm. Got some good go. tray inserts. I got some really cool accessories coming with some dice I need to upgrade because I've played the dice so much um, that I've worn the numbers off. Or better yet, there's some card holders or some bags to carry your games. You're getting ready to go travel. Be sure to check out their game bags. Multiple options for you there. So much over at Miniature Market. Even got some t-shirts. So you may think, hey, I don't have anybody who owns board games in my family. Go to Miniature Market. There's some t-shirts. Check those out. There's something for everybody over at MiniatureMarket.com. You won't go back to your commercial order to do a good enough job. Ooh, I think you covered it. Tony, I was excited when Direwolf Digital came to us and said, all right, guys, look, we, we know you like playing our games on the Switch. 
you have any interest in playing that really popular game from Leader Games called Root? I went, geez, I haven't played Root since that game first came out. I thought, yeah, I'd be interested in this. And I was like, please, because it's sitting on my shelf, doesn't get any love, and I really enjoy Root. So please, yes, 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 I would have a lot of interest in this. In Root, you have, in the base game, Four very mm-hmm. unique factions that play very differently. And I remember learning the game. It's like, oh, this is just too much. But I got to give uh, Dire Wolf Digital credit because the tutorials basically are, here's a tutorial for this faction. Here's a tutorial for this faction. And they walk you through each one and explain how each one works and how each one is different. And if at any time you ever forget, just go back and replay the tutorial to help you to remember how each of these factions work within the game. Another beautiful thing is you can't mess up the rules. They're checking you, making sure that you're playing the game correctly. It's walking through each of the steps or go out to BGG, download the rules, and you can see how Roots, you know, the various long-handed rules, and you're going to sit there and start reading through them. And you're like, screw this, back to the tutorial. Let the game figure it out for me. But it will make you a better Root player. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, for sure. And what I loved about this game was the animations are so well done. If you didn't know this was a board game and you bought this on the eShop, I don't think you would pick up that, oh, this is based on a board game because of how well it's presented and the animations. It literally just looks like kind of an area control game uh, that has some sort of combat. There are, you do see cards, you do see some dice rolls, but even when you transition to battles, To me, it was like, holy crap, that's like the transition for Pokemon, where it splits the screen Mm -hmm. in half, and then you're showing the two people that are fighting against each other. Now, it's not like you're taking Mm turn-based attacks against each other like Pokemon, but it just shows the die roll, shows animations of people dying, and then it goes back to the full board. They didn't have to do any of that. They literally just go, here's your die roll, here are your results. But these cute cutscene animations... And uh, and the way that the map works is basically you you almost point and click where you want your people to move. It's not like you got to drag or manually move people around with the with the joystick or the mouse or whatever. Because this is also uh, on Steam, you can play it on the PC too. It was just presented so so well to where it doesn't even look like a board game at all. It does not. And you're right. The, the animations. I was, when I first cranked it up, I was like, oh, that's cute. Oh, there's the cats. From the game, the AI, I haven't felt like it's cheated me yet. And that's one Mm. thing I'm always looking at for these types of games is, is it wrong? Is the computer cheating? Is it doing, I haven't encountered that. Have you had that any issue with uh, any of the games you've played where you felt like the program was already I have not. Okay, good. I I, I have not felt that at all. And there is multiplayer uh, on this game. You can play uh, cross-platform with other people that have this game and uh, you and I were trying to crank up a game. Uh, you were gone. We didn't have a chance to, hopefully we can crank up a game and uh, play. I'm actually thinking about pulling this up on our Twitch channel sometime and just streaming a game just to, just to see how it goes. And uh, I got to, got to dig more into it because there, there's a lot to this game. That's why I want to really get into it before I go make a video for this on our YouTube channel and make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. So you don't uh, miss those, but Direwolf Digital, when they take on a game, they really, really do a good job. Like, for example, they did... Um, they did Sagrada. Which was a, which is a really good game. The game I was thinking of was the Viking game. Um, Raiders. Let's see. Uh, 
Raiders of the North. They did Raiders of the North Sea. And remember, one of the things I just loved about that was like the animations and the look. It didn't even look like a board. It just looked like a map where ships and stuff are moving around. Mm-hmm. It gives the same uh, sort of sort of concept here. I'm, hope, I'm hoping, see, I have Sagrada on the iPad. I've already mentioned this in the show, and I was hoping that it would make it to the Switch. Or is it already on the Switch? It is on the Switch. It I is. did a video for it. That's right. You yep. did. I just, it just. Did you see that? That light bulb was not the lamp behind me. <laughs> that was me thinking, wait a minute, it is on the Switch and I have it. Why, yep. why are we yep. not playing that one? I love that game. Now, to me, now that one does look more like uh, what you game. play on the tabletop, but it's hard to do anything different with that. But these other two, like Rose North Sea and Root, do not look no. like the tabletop. Sure, it's the map that's on the board. But with everything that's going on, the sounds and everything, it's just it's just so well done. So if you like Root, here's the thing. If you've never played Root, to me, I think this is a good way to get experienced mm-hmm. and uh, exposed to Root because it gets you through the tutorial. You can see how it plays, and then you just kind of play against the AI, and then eventually play. Uh, you can pass and play or play remotely with friends. Absolutely. We mentioned this when we were talking about uh, David Thompson's games. I mean, we were talking about how they can teach you, make it better for you. Also can speed up that game night if you break Root out and everybody's like, oh man, we haven't played Root in a long, let's play it. We'll go buy the Switch version and learn. And then we'll go play this game. See? <laughs> or the Steam. It, this is not the only platform that's on. If you don't have a Switch, there, there are other ways to play it. So Die Wolf Digital. Anytime that you come out with announcements of new games that you've ported over to video game format, I, w- I will be uh, all interested. And in our Discord channel has started up a root sub channel. And so yep. they're trying to set up games with that. So I'm excited. I hope to get over there and play them now that I'm back on vacation. I love asynchronous play. Thank you very much mm-hmm. for that. That way I don't have to be on all the time. I'll admit that slows down the game tremendously. But hey, it is what it is. You know, you, you can't always be tied to your Switch like Marty. Speaking of uh, asynchronous play, uh, Ignacy and Portal just released Steel Police mm-hmm. for Nirishima Hex. And we got that. And Tony, now that you're back, maybe you and I can pull out our phones and try out the Steel Police and see how they play. Question. Old man question. How do I activate the code? Where do I activate the code? I had to do that too. I had to Google how to redeem code on Google store. There's actually a, in in your uh, account, there's a way to redeem a code in order to turn on or, or or get the, uh, the DLC that includes steel police for nourishing. So I need to go Google for my iPad. Oh, it's iPad. I forgot. It's iPad. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I'm, I'm playing on the phone. So yeah, there's just a redeem code somewhere on your, uh, account. Oh. Your iTunes account or Apple account. Somewhere. Okay. That's the account that you, okay. I'm like, all right. Cause I was getting into the game. We want to redeem the code. And I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't how you do this. So yeah. Wh- so why do it outside the app? Why can't we have a standard way? I mean, eShop. Yeah. That's not going to happen. I know. It's not that's not going to happen. So anyway, Tony, our ninth anniversary episode, it's uh, been nine years. It's crazy. It's crazy. I really do appreciate all those that uh, have listened. What to this Thank episode you actually, or over the years? Which one? Because this one over the years, okay. and especially especially this episode too. And and in fact, we don't ever talk much about downloads or anything like that. But I will want to thank everybody because uh, in November of 2021, we had our largest month of downloads ever in the history of the show. So that is really cool that people are still listening to old episodes and new episodes. And that meant a lot to see 
break a record by a lot for us over our number two month of all time. So thank you so much for that. Are you sure they weren't bots? <laughs> they they very well could have been bots if they were. I didn't pay for them. That wasn't me that did that. I so. did not know you could do that. I did not realize that influencers do that. Oh, yeah. Influencers can buy follows on Instagram, views on YouTube, etc. Yep. I'm going to tell you right now that will never be an RDTN issue because I will not no. I will not pay any I don't pay anybody anything. I am tight with our money at RDTN and this that ain't happening dude. I won't tell you that much right now. And uh, speaking of uh, money, we haven't done a, a campaign or fundraiser in quite a while and that's probably something that we're going to finally move to another platform in 2022. We'll have stuff for that uh, coming up later in 2022, but it's been a it's been a another weird year, Tony. We thought everything would be back to normal this year. It hasn't. Hopefully next year it will. Hopefully we'll actually have a real strike tournament at Gen Con next year. What are you shaking your head for? You pessimist? Oh, dude, come on now. You know it's it is what it is. You just gotta. It's just one of those things. I'm hoping for a normal 2022, but I know what the new normal is, who knows? We're going to make the as positive as we can here at RDTN. As we always do. And we try to keep it uplifting and just a, a safe place for people to come and just escape and just know that we're just going to have a silly good time talking about a lot of different things besides board games. Absolutely. You never do know. We got lawn mowing season, the leaves, you got to get them leaves off the yard, got to make it happen. But most importantly, you got to keep rolling dice and taking names. Remember, if you want to enter our contest, multiple ways to do it. Fill out our survey, join our Discord channel, donate on PodPledge, or be a member of our BGG Guild. Thanks again to all the publishers providing gifts, and good luck to everyone. I know one job you're not going to do for a game publishing company, Marty. What's that? Based on that commercial for Plat Hat Games, you are not the elevator pitch man. Ha <laughs> ha